days. Like I still held Christian beliefs, but I was deconstructed enough to where I was like, God's not going to care if I drink alcohol or have sex with my girlfriend. Like, I mean, what that's, you know, belief differences aside, but uh, yeah. And he was, you know, he was just like, are you, have you guys had premarital sex? And I was like multiple times a week, my guy, like we are, we're staying in it. And uh, yeah, he like, he literally got up and left. And I remember I got an email from him and the pastor and they're like, uh, you can't come back. He had to go <laughs> confide in the pastor that he, that yeah, you were he was, not living the way you should. I don't think that's what he did. I think he ran to the bathroom and jerked off real quick. And then probably dude. Yeah. <laughs> and then he and, confessed that to the pastor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, listen, Spencer was talking about some really hot stuff. Uh, Like, oh, I'm so jealous. And then he started thinking. (laughs) And it wasn't about his wife. And he felt real bad about it. I just can't quit thinking about Spencer thrusting. Everybody, we are back with another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. I'm Casey. I'm Jeremiah. Woo! I, feel, I always feel like we go like every time we skip a week, Jeremiah. I'm like, it feels like it's <laughs> been forever since we've talked to you. But I also feel like it's been forever since we've done this, and we only just did it last week. So I don't know. It's been a busy week for me, but I have something on my mind, guys. Mm-hmm. All kind right. of it makes it sound weird if I. I think it sounds weird if I just lead with that but i'm thinking about gym teachers <laughs> um <laughs> one in particular yeah so when i was in private christian school i my gym teacher was a woman and it was that if i if you is there a stereotype for women gym teachers or no i've never heard of a woman gym teacher to be honest what yeah i don't know i, I guess i mean the- well at christian school we didn't really have gym teachers and then the other places I went, it was always like a weird old guy. Yeah, like not, and I'm not talking about coaches. Like coaches, men, women. There's tons of them. Uh, gym teachers. I feel like I've only ever heard of like yeah, middle aged ex athlete male gym oh. teachers. Well, that's interesting. So my gym teacher in Christian school um, was also the person who did everything in the area. Apparently, like we just, I feel like she like uh, swimming lessons. She did swimming lessons. Uh, like for the town, like she was, she was like, um, just an athlete. She had like an athletic build, short hair, kind of a little masculine in some ways. And she was like, do you, did you ever have those experiences when you're getting, you like see your teachers out of context and it's weird. My teacher was my mom. So no, but I, I can okay. track with <laughs> yeah. you. This isn't working at all. <laughs> so- I remember when my teacher finally, like, when he got a girlfriend, it was bizarre for all of us. We're like, oh my word, he's Mr. So-and-so, like he's he dating? Like this is insane. Now, how old was he? Because at the time you probably thought he was like a full-blown adult, but he was probably oh, yeah. younger than you are now. He right? had to be like early, maybe early 30s. Okay. So. All right. He was the coolest though. Not Not saying that in any sort of demeaning way. He was, he's still, he's a great dude, but- it was just like very strange to see him like all of a sudden like, oh, he is a person. He, he dates, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, anytime you see teachers outside, I feel like when you're a kid and they see him out of context, context and they say hi, like even being at the grocery store with my kids and they see like their teachers and stuff. It's like they 
they'll be fine and normal in school. They'll talk They just be kids. And then they see him out of context and they just blank stare. Like what the fuck is this person doing here? And, uh, <laughs> But anyway, so Finally, one of those full scale fursuits. <laughs> well, speaking of full scale fursuits, uh, one of my first experiences seeing a teacher out of context, it was my gym teacher. And we were at the beach and I'm about waist high because I'm a little boy. And all I can notice is just massive bush busting out of her bathing suit. And it was pretty traumatic. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed this is where the story was going at the start. <laughs> How old are you? I, yeah, I had been like eight, nine. I mean, I was I was young and not tall enough to you know not have noticed that. Why were you was so close like to your teacher at the beach? Like, why were you close enough that this was a traumatic experience? I don't because she like knew my family and then she's walking by and it was like. Oh, hey. And she comes over and says hi to everyone. And it was just like, and my friend was there. He was like a year younger than me and my brother. And it was one of those, like, you all look at each other afterwards and you're like, oh, whoa, what the fuck was that? And was it, that, was this like you learning that bushes exist? Is that what it was? Like, too? Like, ad- like adult pubic hair? That was the first experience with it or something? It probably was. I can't recall previous experiences with adult pubic hair. Thank you. Hopefully not at the tender age of eight. Other (laughs) sorts of trauma on this podcast. But uh, like, I just, even at that point in my life, I was like, you know, why wouldn't you do something? Like, who doesn't notice that? That's what was so, that stuck with me still. I I mean, I. There's a lot of body shaming. Pop into my brain from time to time. Yeah. Wow. Sam's Why? expecting women to change their grooming and appearance standards to meet his prepubescent ideals of. <laughs> Go ahead, be all progressive on me right now. I'm trying to make you look like, like, you're, you're a kid. Yeah, yeah, and it, you don't know that that's coming, and it's a teacher. It's someone that you don't know in teacher. that context at all. Like. Yeah. Yeah. It painted the way that I saw this person going forward. Like I, I never saw her again. That's true. That is about that. That's information that you shouldn't have to weigh in your mind at the age of nine. When yeah. You're yeah. talking to your teacher. <laughs> the, the poor lady, all the ways that she touched your life. And yeah. that's what you remember her for. Like, yeah. really? It, I, or do you still like, could you track this person down? You know, same hometown. Probably could. I mean, like I know. Okay. I know the name. I'm intentionally not saying it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Please don't. Know. But like, when she's really elderly, you should tell her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll mean. Hey, more, Mrs. Man. Smith, remember me? Uh, I remember you actually. Yeah. <laughs> Here's why. Actually, I was. I'm waiting um, to see. I I have like pings set up for Google, so that way when she dies, I can show up at the funeral service and share that story with everybody. Like, like, kind of buzzed, and you just like walk up and take the mic from family members. (laughs) I definitely remember that that experience, though. Like, like not with a teacher, obviously, but I remember going to like a race. I feel like it was at Atlanta Motor Speedway or something, and we went into the bathroom and they had the trough, which we've talked about. Oh yeah, disgusting trough filled with urine covered ice. And I remember just like turning, like looking down the rock, like the row. And it's 
busy. Like there's a, a there's, line of dicks. Yeah, and just like <laughs> hair, weird. They're huge. <laughs> it just feel like what? Huh? Whoa! Wow! Yeah, like awful. Not knowing what to think of that at all, and just being like really confused and and it looked like one of those dicks just committed a crime against you, and you have to pick one out of a lineup. You're just like <laughs> yeah. that's that's bringing up repressed memories for me too, not in the bad way, fortunately. But I think my first similar experience was actually our swimming coach. So we did a community swimming league, and everyone did. There weren't like school swimming leagues; everyone did community. And, you know, he was like a local contractor or something. And then, you know, his night job was being the swim coach. And we bumped into him at the local wellness center in a, not in a swim context, right? We just bumped into him. He was there with his family doing something else. And this was my first time being in a more public locker room. And I didn't know that people walked around naked in the locker room. And here he comes out of the showers and we're like <laughs> 11 or 12. And like to him, I mean, he wasn't doing anything wrong. Like this just normal locker room behavior. And to me, I was like, oh, oh, Mr. So-and-so. Oh, I got I to gotta leave. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. You never forget the first time you see someone bend over and you simultaneously see Without their consent, balls between their the- thighs and straight up their asshole. <laughs> You never forget that. It's, it's the, the pendulum. <laughs> yeah, it's like the worst. It's like in uh, Joe Dirt when that dog gets its balls frozen to the porch. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're always old dudes and they're yeah. fresh out of a hot shower. So oh, they're yeah. like. They put one leg up on the bench to relaxed. put underwear on. And you see it just like you see him hanging and you yeah, see the butt crack. It's, like fleshy grandfather clock. Yeah, it's a rite of passage. <laughs> it is always like uh, I I don't know I would like it's one of those things that you wonder how normal people think because I yeah feel like I was awkward anyways and then at you know being in Christian school where we didn't have showers and we didn't have a locker room or anything like that like some of us changed in the stalls like when we were just like, getting down yep. to our underwear for gym class and like. I mean, you couldn't be more uncomfortable with nudity no. than, than me at, at, you know, preteen, teen age era, you know? And then you go into the bat, like the, the, the locker room at like the swim club or something like that. And there's always just old guy and they're just like lounging in there. Yeah. It's like, don't give a shit. yeah. Like they're just letting their droopy balls air dry. Like they don't, <laughs> they didn't right. even bring a towel. Conservatives are mad at Disney for like going full woke by having like two female characters in love in the Buzz Lightyear movie that no one cared about. But parents haven't taken this on as an issue. Like I'm actually a little (laughs) bit offended now that I'm thinking back through it. I'm like, we just have public, like all ages restrooms or or locker rooms. Why is that a thing? Yeah, we need a little more shame in this country. (laughs) A little more. So I mean, I'm 34. I'm pretty sure no one to this day has. Seed my dick and balls in a public locker room. It's not going to happen. I well, is it pretty I'm telling that all three of us have experiences like that when we were way too young to have experiences like that? Like, do you think that's random? It's because we're homeschooled. We were homeschooled and Christian school. That's why. That I, I mean, that's the big difference. Is we never, we were never around other nudity. Because when I when I started going to like high school youth group and shit, and I would see like that. It's kind of like when you go to college too. We all experienced that in college too. We all there's there was the naked people in every dorm, right? I didn't because I was in the dorms that had like a bathroom inside your room. Oh so yeah, you were 
And that was one of the main reasons was I did not want to have a communal bathroom. That was a hard no for me. Like I grew up in a big family where like me and my brothers have been sharing a bathroom our whole lives. I never had my own bathroom. It was mostly like, I only want to share it with a roommate or two, not with 15 other dudes. Yeah. For good reason. It's disgusting. I would guess want to hear from uh, the ladies who listen to the podcast, maybe go to the discord, a good plug for the discord right now, go to the episode discussion chat. And we need to hear, is this an experience that happened to women as well? Or is it just every guy had that like pubic hair trauma? Yeah. I feel like this is, I'm going to get a little sexist here. Uh, Women's bodies are maybe less traumatic. (laughs) 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 I I mean, I feel like that's entirely possible. I don't know if that's just coming from our perspective or not, but I, I think maybe young young boys are less intrusive. Yeah, it's, if it takes young boys up. are so unaware of everything. I think that's part of it. Like, of course, they haven't thought about their body. They've never thought about any's body, anybody's body before now. They're eight years old, and you know society's already beating that into women. Well, it doesn't so, look like the the desert realm in Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you come up with these references, Casey? But yeah, like I. I don't know. For some reason, I imagine that's more of like a, a rough awakening for young boys than it is for young ladies. Yeah. Maybe we can only wonder. <laughs> I do want like anytime in that situation, like, you know, being a 30 some year old man and going to the YMCA and you have to change into your, your swim trunk. You say bathing suit or swimming trunks. I say swimming trunks. I, I don't know. Generally bathing call suit. it I don't know. a bathing suit. That must be a regional thing. It's it gotta be because no one calls shorts trunks generally. Like trunks follows swimming exclusively. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no trunks. There's no just straight trunks unless you're an elephant. Jean jean trunks. Jean <laughs> <laughs> <My> trunks. <laughs> or you're my one of those old guys in the restroom with just straight trunk in it. <laughs> 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 I always would have considered. I feel like I thought of trunks as like underwear anyway. Yeah, I call them. I call them uh, bathing trousers. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's there's nothing more like to be a thirty some year old man and like hurrying as fast as you can to put your your bathing suit on because you're just like scared of nudity. Like yep. you can't help but think like, oh, this isn't the way to be. Like this is time though, I like, should be I, like mentally strong enough to not feel this way or to, to be able to cope with it in a different way. But I don't know. I've just I'm gone not a different so direction. Fast. Yeah. So I've <laughs> just gone a different direction of, eh, I'm too old to change while I'm changing. Like in the locker room at the gym or something. No, I bring my clothes into the shower with me, at least like, you know, underwear and a towel. And I wear that when I walk back to my locker. And if it's, you know, where I know I'm out with friends or something, I'll bring a t-shirt too. Cause uh, it's out of respect for them, you know? Like, I don't care how comfortable they are. They don't, they don't need to see this. I'm uncomfortable being shirtless. Like, like even like going swimming and taking my shirt off. I'm like, oh, well, I, I haven't you still swim with a t-shirt on Casey. Decade? I should. <laughs> you probably should. should. I'm busty. It's Instead obscene. of respect for others. <laughs> Dude, you know what you should do? Uh, you should fine. get one of the bathing suits that are like, they look like unitards. You should get one of those. Like the old Donald like Duck. Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> The only just time a, Donald Duck wears more clothes than he does on just average. Just get a shorty wetsuit. That can be your excuse. Like the sleeveless and, you know, shorts wetsuit. Yeah. I had one of those when I was younger. It was great for like water sports. Bikini cut overalls, you know, <laughs> like, that'd be fine. You could pull off the deep scoop overalls. 
The deep <laughs> scoop. That side scoop hits like mid hit mid hip. Yeah, and one of them's <laughs> one of them's unhooked. If if I can find a pair of overalls that slim through the thigh, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll buy them. That's the new I want thing, those dude. Levi's five eleven overalls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta say we should start making them, dude. That should be the first we, thing we offer in a store when we find. When you take off one going. shoulder, though, it's got to droop low enough on that side just to throw show one side of the thrust bucket. You know, like you just got to get a little hint. You say yeah. thrust bucket. The thrust bucket. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that term. Casey, you've heard this term, right? <laughs> no. Oh, the V shaped, <laughs> the V shaped muscles at the bottom of your abdominals. <laughs> They cross over uh, your hips. Not us, but like if you look at a muscular man. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah it's the old pecker trenches. Yeah, yeah okay, the <laughs> okay, everyone has a different term yeah. for it. Now I know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, Sam, I think mine's more widely used, the term I used. I don't know about that. Must be a regional thing. Swim trunks. <laughs> We're in this trenches together on this one. <laughs> Where was this conversation topic? I don't going? know. It's got away from us. Uh, Do you remember? On, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. When, when I was on uh, the sw- swim team, uh, I never would wear a speedo or like the 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 tight swim like tight long swim shorts. Uh, I insisted on wearing board shorts, and I would just like train <laughs> harder because I didn't want to have to wear the speedo. So that, that was my whole pitch. It's like I'll swim faster than everyone else. Just don't make me wear that. I have <laughs> never seen anybody swim in anything but a speedo. That, I that would have been funny. I, 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 I want to see was, video evidence of you swimming your ass off. Shape, I was a great swimmer. Like I won stuff. I did great. <laughs> but everyone else is in a speedo, and you just you look like more of a weirdo not wearing a speedo. Yeah, but I was like a 14-year-old homeschooled kid. Look like more of a weirdo is not really factoring in. <laughs> yeah, he's like walking out onto this, like near the pool and somebody's like, hey, kid, the Healy competition is like next door. <laughs> I, I have an advantage though, Sam. I was tall. So I could get you, away with, I was tall and thin. I could get away with uh, anything. Must you came be out with your, nice. Must you came be out, nice. Height privilege. I think I was, I think I was six, one and a half or something when I was 14. Like I was already decently tall. You came out with a sunscreen, just coating your nose. And you're like, everyone's like, dude, you're in an indoor swimming pool. I didn't used to wear it. I was so tan. And I know it sounds like I'm making that up, but it's true. (laughs) Tall, tan and lean wearing my board shorts. My thighs, my thighs were not tan. They were very white. They never saw the light of day. (laughs) What happened to all of us? It's do you guys remember ever going to like a youth group event? Like uh, my buddy's youth group, every year they did like a, a five day. It was almost like Bible school for youth group age kids, but they would do like a fun event every day of the week. Hmm. And then the last day of the week, it was always the lake day. No, you'd go out did. there and one of the people had a boat. So they would, you could go tubing and there was a big raft, you know, and everybody would go out and swim to the raft and stuff like that. And I was thinking about it. Do you, do you guys remember any of the girls getting the, uh, the big t-shirt punishment for their swimsuit? Yep. Yep. The big t-shirt. What? So like it was always a one piece only. Yeah. Yeah. Just one pieces. And I remember like his cousin, Brittany one time wore like a tankini, which, you know, you would never know that it was a two piece unless she's like, you know, I don't know, doing a cartwheel or something like that. 
Like right. it's for all intents and purposes, like it's all the same coverage as a one piece. They made her wear like this giant baggy, like an extra large men's t-shirt over top of her swimsuit <laughs> oh all day. And all those Sam. kids around were like, I, I don't even realize that that's where their love of wet t-shirt contest came from. They're like, I don't know why I love this so much. It started Sam, there. Did you not see that a lot? I feel like 10% of the girls at every like youth group, you know, um, day when we went down to the water for like jet skiing and stuff, like, cause we, our youth group was in a town that grew up on the water too. So, you know, we did lots of events like that, not as part of a camp, just like cookouts and stuff. And I feel like 10% of the girls had to wear cover-ups for the same reasons. Like, so in my experience, it was, act, they always said, uh, it was always where girls need to wear one piece or a modest tankini is what they would say. It would be oh, in the wow, what an impressive area. You were it's in liberal churches. Yeah. Modest. I don't know how you would, I don't know if that's defined as any sort of uh mid drift showing, but no, I, I mean, there were, I think there might've been a girl or two from time to time that like, probably didn't own one so they may have worn a t-shirt but it was kind of like an, an intentional move so they didn't get stuck with this like oversized wonky ass t-shirt they kind of just i don't know it was weird probably i don't recall it though i think most people were just like had that as an option and i do remember people talking about how it was dumb uh some people felt who were more you know normal had a more normal high school experience would be like it's like yeah they go to their friends pools on the weekends and wear whatever bathing suit they want and they just like have their church bathing suit also like it's just yep like it's funny because i know that those messages of shame really like hit a lot of people but i know and knew plenty of girls that were like it just like didn't give a shit about it they're like yeah that's just church rules but it's dumb and it didn't seem like it affected them too much and then there are some where you know it really did it's weird again we've talked about that before but the way that like uh, it's the same situation impacts people on such varying scales is always fascinating though i think it matters how much your parents were invested in it like if if it's somebody whose parents weren't coming to the church or something and just they came with a friend of theirs it's much easier to be like oh yeah that's the church rules for some dumb church thing at this event that we're going to and you know their parents don't care their parents bought them whatever suit they wanted as opposed to the girls who are growing up and from the time they're like 11 or 12, that's a thing. Like as soon as they can start going to like youth group events, they start getting the lecture. And they're like, is God going to let me into heaven now that I wore a tankini? Yeah. Well, it's weird. Cause then you look, it's kind of like, uh, I had actually, it's funny. I had reached out to, um, someone who has a, so I, for one of my classes, I was trying to think of the direction I wanted to go for writing one of my, papers uh psychology papers and i was i've reached out to someone who is getting their phd in psychology and just like do you have it do you know of any like research that's been done on why certain like people who grow up in religious environments some people like just move on completely unaffected by what they were taught and other people internalized it and feel deep sense of hurt and trauma from it and his response was that actually is not really a lot of research on that specifically, but there is research on um, P, uh, people who experience PTSD, like maybe people who went to war. And it's like, you have plenty of people who went to war and came back and had deep, deep post-traumatic stress. But then there's also plenty of people who were like, saw some fucked up shit and they came back to 
and reacclimate to society without that same level of trauma. And so he, he mentioned investigating that. I hadn't really looked into it much more, but it did get my kind of gears turning in that way where you're like, oh, this is sometimes biology. Uh, there's like almost like a resilience. And that sounds, I don't know that I like that term res- necessarily because it sounds like some people are thick skinned. It has like conservative vibes, but there, there is like almost like a natural, like some people are more naturally impervious to fucked up shit, traumatizing them. And those people just maybe end up more, dude like, hey, maybe up more women like for pure hair is, a, is <laughs> concerned about biological impervious as a term, as a term. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know that it rings true for me, but you do you dog. So in the same way that those, uh, your fellow students realized that they loved wet t-shirt contests. I found out later <laughs> on that I had this huge thing for pubic hair busting out the sides of your one piece. I don't know, dude. <laughs> That's a dream you can make come true for yourself, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm going to start wearing the, uh, the Borat, like the, the Borat suit and just, uh, the sling, keep everything, keep everything homegrown down there. <laughs> I have one of those and I've worn it. Do you? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. We went to Belize with some friends like uh, a few years back, and all of us guys like ordered those ahead of time. Nice. We get to the little house that we rented, and it's got like a pool, and we all came like like charging out in the Borat suits and, and jumped in the pool. They do not stay in place very well. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have imagined. Yeah, it's not something you're going to play volleyball in. It doesn't help that you guys oiled yourselves up completely beforehand. Right. Oiled each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to get the hard to reach places. <laughs> I think with that suit, everything's easy to reach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could just oil the suit and then sort of like, you know, Squirmy dirty towel it, it, you know. You know what's funny about the going back to the Speedo conversation? I had your whole life, right? You go to the beach and you go like, oh, my God, you see them and you're like, that's kind of ridiculous. And then I feel like I hit this outlook. I'm never going to wear one because my wife wouldn't go out in public with me, but she would think I look ridiculous in it. But I I'm like, you know what? I don't have the aversion to them that I used to. And I keep seeing more and more guys wear them. And I'm like, they don't look. I mean, I kind of like them. I, I don't think I can pull it off, but it's like there's a mix of people who do it. Right. Uh, and of course, Olympic there's always, swimmers. There's always a group of people <laughs> in between who guys who are in good shape and look fucking great in them. And then big dudes. I, I've been seeing more and more big dudes in them. And you're just like, that's, I respect it. And you, they just love it. I don't see a lot of just like normies like me who are like, you know, not they're just normies. No one's going to notice either way, but is it, maybe is you wouldn't you notice change? if it's a and you, is that the direction you're going with this? Like, like you want this to be more socially acceptable? Yeah, I do. I think I think I'd fit in well in Europe is what I'm trying to say. And uh, wow, interesting. If it be more socially acceptable, I would I'd rock one. I'd get my thighs nice and tan. I'd I'd be good with it. You know who's a perfect person to ask about this is our friend and colleague Dr. Luke Wilson. Yeah, I know he rocks. You know, he looks fucking. He's working at Toronto Beach Club all the time in his uh, like Facebook stories and. Him and his his uh, his crew they they rock some tiny tiny swimwear yeah so and all, all the respect I know I just I think that's what sucks is I it's like you know when you see something 
like you see someone wear something and you're like, that's so cool. Then you try it on. You're like, you look like an idiot in that. You can't pull that shit off. <laughs> yeah. And we're talking about fedoras. Let's All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think I made it most of my life wearing like, you know, baggy shorts, cargo shorts, knee length shorts. And it was only in the last like four or five years I started wearing like mid thigh shorts and they're so much more comfortable. Oh like, yeah. Just lighter shorts that aren't for utility. They're just for comfort and style. And I'm like, this is pretty great. Yeah, you don't have to keep your measuring tape and hammer hanging from the loops on the sides. I get, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not gonna live that carpenter life anymore. Where do I put my mallet though? You know, <laughs> get a shoulder sling. Yeah, no, I feel that way all the time. I feel that about like most any like de- defined men's style of dress. I look at it, and I'm like, that I could I could lean into that. And then like, I'll go to the store and try on a bunch of it. I'm like, oh no, no, this is this, that's not for me. <laughs> and then the effort, uh, another person who we, he's been on the podcast before he will be on it again. Uh, I've been talking to him. We want to have him back on is, uh, from way back, Josh white. Uh, he was going to law school last time we talked to him. He's a whole ass lawyer now. And my God, he looks great doing it. He is the trendiest motherfucker. Dude can ever. wear a suit. You can fucking wear anything. He looks so cool. So cool all the time. And I look at his outfits and I'm like, if I, I wouldn't even know how to put that together for one. And if I did, people would be like, dude, you, what do you, who are you? Why are you trying so hard? But he makes it look effortless and I'm just rocking jeans and a t-shirt. And I'm going to do that for the rest of my life because that's just the role I've landed into. It's hard to change. You know, when I first cut my dreads, I was like, it was hard for me to become a hat guy. I was like, then I've never worn a hat. I'm going to start wearing one. People are going to be like, Oh, you're wearing a hat. I don't know why I was afraid of people pointing Damn, out. I, I think you're, you're putting a little too much stock in people looking <laughs> at you wearing a baseball hat, man. Yeah. I know. It's like, <laughs> I just know people are at home right now thinking about how stupid I look in a hat. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, that's why I don't make moves like that. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I don't, Sam, that's not a move. I don't break out on stock. No. Okay. Well, no, I take that back. You wear your your hat at a very like precise angle and like it definitely is part of your look. It's not just like, like Casey sometimes wears a hat and sometimes doesn't wear a hat. And like, it feels like Casey can do either way. Well, I definitely, it seems weird to me if you're not wearing a hat when I see you. Yeah. But there was, I mean, I I went 30 years without wearing hats. So it's kind of like, kind of weird. Casey, I'm just going to lean hard. At some point, I'm just going to like, a switch is going to flip and I'm just going to lean hard into like Harley boomer territory. Oh, I'm waiting for that dude. Like, like the big chunky boots and the Harley jeans that cost $200. Just Um, no bike. You just won't have a bike though. (laughs) Right. I'll have one of those three wheeled ones. (laughs) I'm picturing you with like wraparound glasses. People drive around. Spike the tips of your hair, like spike your hair up wraparounds little goatee yeah like a, a patch on my leather vest that says like what should my patches say i definitely oh. need one that's like you stomp my flag and i'll stomp you <laughs> yeah that's along okay with, like, you know with that direction it's, along okay. with like your nickname like in quotes or something like casey the 
the honey badger or something. I don't know. <laughs> like some, some weird, slightly aggressive sounding animal nickname. The turtle. Yeah. <laughs> the turtle. <laughs> That's your spirit animal going to be. <laughs> Just like a whole bunch of really annoying, like, let's go Brandon style patches on the front and then on the back, like a big cross with barbed wire around it that says like, you know, uh, Christ freedom riders or something like that. Okay, so you want to dress oh, like a mixture of Christian angle, Motley yeah. Crue and Ted Decker. Have you seen what Ted Decker looks like these days? No. Who's oh, Ted he definitely Decker? a very famous Christian author. Okay, he's got like he the black shitload of books, triangular soul patch, and like the kind of Motley Crue hair. And he's definitely wearing like the screen printed shirts with the giant cross on them, and the ripped jeans and the boots, and like right out of two thousand and four, he still looks like it. I like Ted it. Decker. Old Tedeker killing the game. Yeah. <laughs> so Casey, for some of these fashions you don't think work on you, have you ever had like a tailor really tailor some stuff for your body? I married my tailor. She has to, oh, that's she has true. to like sew everything that I buy. Okay. <laughs> like I have like a 26 inch end seam. They don't sell pants like that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I'm like, guess what? I bought pants and she's like, God. <laughs> Dude, i i hate shopping for pants but i again like a lot of people these dudes these days the levi's you just know your number and you roll with that but i swear to god dude i've the last four pairs of pants i've bought online i'm also a cheap piece of shit when it comes to buying clothes so until there's like a sale and then a discount off the sale and it's like final sale i'm like that's when i buy and i spend like 25 30 bucks on a pair of pants so those are few and far between so when i finally pull the trigger on it i i buy the same size waist that i always wear and then i get them and i'm like i can't even i can't button these and i they won't even come close like i'm talking like two inches off and that's a bad feeling it doesn't make sense because <laughs> it's the exact same size as a pair that i yeah, wear been every there. single day and then i returned it for the next size up a size that I have yet to be in my life. And none of the clothes in my drawer are actually that size. And they sent it to me and it fits. It still won't button. I was like, fuck this shit. I sent it back. I was, it doesn't make sense. I, it, it, the measurements are supposed to be like about what it is in inches or some shit like that. But you need to buy like button fly ones and just go up as high as you can go. Yeah, you I know, need high and if you got to leave it cracked at the top like that, you know, Christina Aguilera look. Like, yeah, that's just work that over. And instead of a zipper, it's just when they have all the buttons, right? That's that was the look too around that time. When you could yeah, have your bush like, exploding out through the buttons, you know, just like now that yeah, I could I, I could see you doing that. That'd be great. Uh, girls' jeans without the pockets on the back. That was also around that Christina Aguilera era. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'd All that's the, coming back right now. Yeah, Isn't it? I feel like that was one of the least practical eras of clothes. Yeah. Like massive jeans that like took six jeans worth of fabric to sew and had a whole bunch of like non-functional giant cargo pockets. And then women's stuff was like airbrushed on and literally didn't even have pockets. Like they're both useless. They're just the opposite ends of the useless spectrum. It was like super low rise, skinny to the knee. And then it was just like the flare on the bell bottoms was gnarly. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. And you got the designs on the pockets or no pockets and you drive a Pontiac Grand Am. 
Yeah, oh, wow. You know those people too? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they'll sell you those unless you drive a Pontiac. Or a Grand Prix, you know, if things are going well in your household. Oh, Dude, yeah. you know, well, that's that's an interesting hierarchy you created there, you know. The you Grand know Prix is above the Pontiac. You know who signatured their jeans well? Uh, it was like the back pockets of uh, American Eagle jeans. It was just like you knew if someone was wearing American Eagle jeans. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Bring back those days. You know what I love? All your clothes at the ball. I love like, I don't know exactly what they have now, but I, I used to like love how you'd go in Kohl's and they had like three or four different brands with like their own little section in the young men's department. And then there was rock Republic and it just looked like Chris angel, like farted. (laughs) (laughs) It's got like, it's got like 18 zipper handles that don't do anything. And like a a, a tribal design on it. The, the, the collar, the, the like corners of the collar are burnt off. What do you, you know, think just, like that young Chris, Honduran child is thinking while they're sewing all of those on there? Oh. <laughs> you made it sad. Capitalism's oh. cool. <laughs> Chris Angel, I that was one of those shows everyone I knew watched ironically. Um and, but speaking of Chris Angel and magicians and shit, the past couple nights we should probably wrap up too, but uh the last after this, the past couple nights I found myself um uh take an edible and then i end up watching someone on some magician on youtube who reveals how to do card tricks and shit like that and i spent way too much time little stoned watching someone <laughs> fucking teach me to do card tricks that i couldn't remember the next morning but god it's it mesmerizing at the moment did high sam like re- like understand how they worked at all or yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. And I look. If I watched it right now, I wouldn't give a shit. But when I watched it two nights ago, I was like, "Oh my god, I should fucking learn this. I should start doing. The, I could learn these tricks." And because he would put like, so he had this one. It was like a cigarette. He would show you how to do tricks with a cigarette and things like that. And I was like, he shows the camera from behind his hands and what he's doing with it. And they're like, "That's what he's doing the whole time. You never even noticed. Like you can't see it." And then you watch it from behind and you're like, it's barely, it looks like it's a, it looks like I'm being tricked watching how it's really done because it can't be that simple, but you know, it is because it's because magic isn't real, but it was real to me that night. Uh, I was, I was in a special spot and I watched about 45 minutes worth of videos on how to make a cigarette levitate and the card disappear. So, huh? Anyway, <laughs> no. Speaking of, uh, magicians, yeah, I don't know what to say to that. They're, uh, what magicians and uh, comedians are like the same kind of people, right? They like that comparison. I feel, so like, I feel like comedians will be very offended by that. Musicians will probably <laughs> oh, yeah. be saying yes. Magicians, <laughs> comedians, and uh, guys that own a, an acoustic guitar. Like there's some carryover in there. <laughs> so our guest this week is a really fun guy named Spencer Bland. He's a comedian uh, from Raleigh, North Carolina. I think I said South Carolina when we talked to him a couple of times, like a dipshit. Uh, so you might notice that and be like, well, you're not good at this and that's fine. And I'll take that criticism. Uh, but yeah, he's he also is, buddies with our pal, yeah. uh, Charles McBride. So he is, he's good uh, company. Yeah. So yeah, Spencer was a lot of fun, super funny guy. Uh, he, I think he mentioned some shows that he's got coming up when we recorded the interview. 
Uh, but some of those probably had passed. So real quick, um, I'll just go ahead and throw these out for him while we're talking. If you live in Wilmington, North Carolina, or around Raleigh, North Carolina, he's got a bunch of shows coming up in August. Um, pretty much the, pretty much the, the, pretty much the fifth to the end of the month, he's going to be in doing shows in North Carolina. You'll see, we're going to link to his Instagram and shit too. So you'll see it. And then he's also doing the Portland, Maine comedy festival, which is cool. That's up my way. I would love to make it out. I'm going to do my best, but the dates might not work out, but it'd be really cool to go see him uh, either way. So if you're in Wilmington, Raleigh or around Portland, Maine this month, you can and should go check out his comedy. Yeah. He's also coming to the Omaha comedy festival, which is a, uh... Sounds fun. Maybe I'll go. It's not that far from me. No. No. But yeah, he's also hosts a podcast called Bop or Flop. And uh, it's him and one of his good friends. And they look back at like the Billboard top 10 charts from like a given date in the past. Take a look at some of the songs and decide whether they whether they bop or they flop. Yeah. And it's a fun show. Uh definitely a, a a light listen that's a lot of fun so yeah, they did a bunch of live events uh recently too which looked like they were a really good time from the videos and stuff that he, he posted clips of yeah so i think you're gonna enjoy it he's got all of his social media and stuff is gonna be in the description uh so definitely go follow him follow bop or flop and uh if you're enjoying the show leave us five star review wherever you're listening to it uh that's a uh, we're getting a bunch of those. We're getting a bunch of those. Sounds douchey. Uh, we've <laughs> getting a bunch of those lately. Blessed with so, the Lord has blessed us with some good reviews, and it's really nice. And we thank you if you've left one of those. And if you haven't, um, why do you God. want God to bless you? Because uh, you know you got to have faith like a mustard seed that leaves five star reviews. And if uh, if you want to jump in on the conversation. Join our Discord. The link's on our Instagram profile and a uh, cool place with a lot of like-minded people sharing stories, uh, talking about their latest interactions with family members. You know, maybe they uh, uh, gave them a, a crazy InfoWars video for Christmas. And, <laughs> you know, we'll talk about it. It's fun. Join the Discord if you're not already and enjoy our conversation with Spencer Bland. Hey, everybody. We're back with our guest, Spencer, and he was just telling us about how he forged his vaccination card. You know, man. Yeah, North Carolina is actually, uh, you have to to renew your license every year. You have to show your forged vaccination card. <laughs> yeah. I bet you guys have a higher percentage of them down there. Actually, I wonder how many people really forged them. Like, it, it looked easy, but... I do wonder, like, what the highest, what state has the highest percentage of forged vaccination cards? Alabama. Dude, it's got... Yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely Rust Belt, for sure. And, you know, every year, like, you always see that story every year that's like, the most searched for porn category in each state, <laughs> that state definitely has, like, the, uh, 
incest oh, as yeah. the top list. Yeah. Well, probably the most, stuff going on there. Just the most searched for thing on Google in general. And it's just like forge vaccination card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do I, and then that's the first thing that shows up, fills it. Yeah. Forge yeah, my vaccination card. How do I forge vaccination card? And then right under that, it's how do I live without you? Cause people will be loving that song. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. Cause in those States, I've, I'm sure there wasn't a lot of stuff that came up that required you to be vaccinated. They're like, we're not going to require this, but yeah, I can't imagine like maybe some colleges were like, I mean, we got to do this or else the NCAA is going to pull our funding, but wink, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But no, I'm stoked to be here guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, uh, I, I found out about you guys through a, uh, a fellow based friend of mine, uh, Charles McBride. Nice. Uh, a f- former guest that you guys had. And then, yeah, uh, well, you guys are like buddies, buddies. Yeah. Yeah. We're in a, we're, we call it our basement chat, but it's just where we share dumb socialist memes and talk about, <laughs> talk about how it wouldn't it be cool if our country wasn't on fire. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's funny. The more time goes on, I feel like people on both sides of the aisle start to feel that way. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's yeah. A dumpster fire. Just different, oh, different colored flames. Like. That's cool. Did you? Uh, I can't remember what area if he was originally from that, or maybe you're not originally from uh, South Carolina. Did you guys know each other in person? Dude, I, connecting online. I, I met McBride in the, the lamest way possible, man. I met McBride at a LARP. Nice. <laughs> it, I was yeah. gonna say the lamest. Oh, oh. It could have been speech and debate because. Yeah. Oh, that's right. True. He did. He was in speech and debate with Madison Cawthorn. So yeah, it could have been. Oh my been that. god. Yeah, um, but no, I met. I don't know if you guys talked about it at all, but McBride's brother runs like a very successful. Uh, I don't even know what the company is classified as, like a costuming company or something. But uh, we didn't get into oh. that. Yeah, and then his brother. It's called Fell and Fair, and they run a LARP every year. I, as you can see, I'm a huge geek with my action figures, uh, and I went one year, and uh, I think it was like the second or third year McBride came because he, you know, looks like a model, so they used him as like an NPC. <laughs> and, uh, what's funny is we, we didn't even like we didn't even connect i think we maybe shared like two sentences together at the actual event and then i think it was just through the sharing of different memes on instagram we were like oh you're not conservative tight let's talk because <laughs> it's a it's a mostly conservative crowd uh i don't know if you guys know anything about larping at larps well, yeah it's a lot I mean, of ex- not have guessed that a lot of a lot I of ex-military like dudes trying to relive yeah it's like the ex-military I, I, dudes trying to relive glory days. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, are we talking exactly like that. foam swords and that whole deal, or is this 100%. like civil war reenactment? No, this is like foam swords. But I do know that, like, uh, I mean, I hope he doesn't care me sharing this. It's like they talk about it all the time. But like his, I think McBride, like growing up, him and his family, like they were reenactors. I think Revolutionary War, though. I don't think they were Civil War. Um, and I think they were on the side of the British, if I can remember correctly. Traitor. But, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I can't really, I can't remember the story, but I'll, I'll shoot you guys a link. It's fell and fair. Um, honestly, it's a really cool account. They have like a, over a hundred thousand followers. They just recreate oh, wow. like, yeah, they like make their own armor. It's insane. So you're a LARPer. Cool. I was, I, I, uh, I think you guys were talking about earlier with the, in Aaron's episode, about how you like would bring friends to church and they would get more into it than you did. And you were like, Whoa, buddy, calm down. <laughs> I did that. I did that with a couple of my friends with LARP. I like was like, Hey, come to this dumb. Like, you remember how we used to like fight in the woods with sticks? It's that, but we have money now. Uh, and <laughs> we would go, like I went a couple years and then two of my friends got really into it. 
like in a cool way. Like that's they like started businesses because of it. But I just realized like, oh, this isn't really for me. Also, a lot of like weird Nazi adjacent dudes like to do LARP. And I was just kind of like, I don't want to rub elbows with these guys. That's so crazy. I actually I guess I never really thought about the affiliation of the LARPers, but uh, the people that I do know who do it definitely don't seem like that. But I do see the connection to like, you know, your uh, typical incel basement dweller. So, yeah, it was like it was a fun, like, it was a fun thing to do for a couple of weeks or for a couple of years. Um, and I, you know, unfortunately sank a bunch of money into it that I will never get back. So. Well, now you have Halloween costumes. To exactly. Repeat. The yeah. best Halloween costumes. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Like my wife's been in cosplay for a long time. Yeah. And the the demographics of comic cons, especially people who are really, you know, there's like families bringing their kids and it's a fun thing and stuff like that. Then there's like the diehards that have been going to comic cons for 30 years and they're just angry because, you know, these chicks in costumes don't know anything about issue seven of Spider-Man, you know? (laughs) Yeah, dude. It's like a, it's like a, a split. You've got like Uber liberal, like Twitter liberals, on one end of the cosplay thing. And then on the other end, you have like neckbeard incel Pepe, the frog Trumpers. <laughs> it's honestly, it's a fun blending of cultures. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did a stand up show. Uh, the big con in Raleigh is called galaxy con. And at last, oh, yeah. my, it's a chain. My, yeah. My buddy, uh, really funny comic, Tyler Wood. He like runs, yeah. I don't know if it's his company, but he does he does like a few uh, of like cons up and down the East Coast, which sounds like a totally different line of business. But uh, he he does that. And then we did the roast of D.C. Uh, So we all dressed up as D.C. characters. And like in my head, I'm like, okay, we're going into this room. No one knows who we are. And we're at a con where like William Shatner's here. If there's 15 people here, I'll be happy. Dude, there was like 400 people in that room. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like (laughs) my buddy Tyler, who was like, he knows that stuff. He was writing like specific article number. Like, Oh, did you reference this lot, this character arc from Aquaman? And I was like, I didn't know this existed, dude. So I like, it was fun, but it was like, it was very intimidating at first. Cause I was like, Oh, I got to like actually nail this or someone's going to call me out on my lore. Like the yeah. <laughs> worst kind of heckle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's factually incorrect, sir. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of nerd explaining at those events. Yeah, big time. Nerd explaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's how I, that's how I met McBride. Uh but no, I'm so yeah, he's originally from uh Anderson, South Carolina, and uh I am not too far from there uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina, born and raised. Born and raised. Yeah, I lived in oh, New York City for a little bit. City of Sin, but uh, I've been back in been back in Raleigh for long enough that I can't remember when I moved back here. So yeah. <laughs> you, was that your, uh, what are the, what are the, uh, people who go out on their little year to go crazy and party? Oh, Rumspringer. Rumspringer. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't I was, I was definitely out of the church, uh, by that point already, but no, I was, I went to ECU, which I don't know if y'all know anything about East Carolina university or ECU or their reputation at all, but it's a massive party school. Like when playboy, announces their like you know top 10 party schools it's like after number one they're like honorable mention and by honorable mention would mean no one can touch them ecu you know ecu so i went there did the five and a half year thing and uh (laughs) was doing comedy at the time and wanted to go try it in new york city and then also got into copywriting 
doing the Don Draper thing um, and just really, really moved up to New York and just picked all the worst ways to burn out up there. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I was like, let me do comedy and one of the most vicious career choices possible. So yeah, both of those uh, have a bit of viciousness to them, especially the comedy scene there sounds like it's, it's pretty, uh, it's balls to the wall. Yeah, man. Sounds of it. It's awesome. Like you can, you can perform five to 10 times a night if you want to like it's there's so many opportunities oh wow but if you don't have like a baked in crowd like if you don't have friends or a community up there it is soul sucking like i moved up there by myself i had i had a couple like friends who were non-comedy people um but yeah i was trying to do you know try to make friends at, at comedy shows in new york where like everyone's aiming for the same thing so no one really wants to be friendly um yeah, it was rough. I got hella depressed. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be that level of uh, competition of like, I mean, everyone's, you know, what? If, especially if you're doing it regularly, like people have it on their mind to yeah. move up the rank. I don't know how, like, it's funny. I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts and, and comedians and every time you hear them talk about, like, you find out who came up together, right? Yeah. It's always like, oh, this person came up with that person. Oh, we were performing like five nights a week in New York together. And then you find out, like yeah it's awesome like every every like famous comedian i mean unless they are just like undeniably funny they have a group of like five to ten people around them who either they all collectively come up or they're all like you know tangentially related like someone's writing for a show someone's getting late night like the the community around it's cool uh i did not have enough self-confidence the first time i was up there to even like try to make friends so i just was like i'll just go to mike's and you know do it by myself and be fine and then like a year passed and i was like i'm depressed and i don't even do comedy anymore what am i doing here so (laughs) i can't imagine how brutal that is like i did a couple of open mics and the thought of doing that like multiple times in a night like night after night god that's that's tough stuff yeah, there's nothing worse than like totally bombing ass and then having to get on your train and ride an hour and a half home and just yeah, like and then just sitting at it sure and a- being like, cool, I'm going to go home to my room that doesn't have a window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I imagine that brings some pretty low lows. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you guys have been to New York before. It's fucking amazing. It's a such such a fun city to visit. Uh, and it was cool living there for a little bit. But, you know, ultimately was not for me. Yeah. Last time I was there, I uh, went to, I forget what the name of the bar is. It's a very famous Irish, like Irish pub kind of thing they, that you go in, they go light or dark. And then you, that's your, oh, you're, tight. Picking your you're picking your beer at that point. But man, I have no idea. I was I, like, I was basically an alcoholic when I lived there. So <laughs> oh yeah, this place was, it was right before COVID that I was there. I've told the story before, but I'll tell tight. you. And it was like, <laughs> It's this place where they just pack you in. They sit you at a table with like eight people you've never met. It's like you're shoulder to shoulder with people. And um, I took, you know, a big swill of beer and yeah. and spit took across the table and sprayed nice. three people across the table from me. And Strangers? Whole, yeah, complete strangers. Oh, that rules, dude. They hit their Hell food. Yeah. I bought them new food. Like it just was the most awful experience i've personally had with strangers and that's seared in my brain is the last time i went to new york i can't think of new york without being like oh god that was terrible yeah that's why every time i think of new york i think about the time where i was taking a train home and i had to shit so bad and i couldn't that i literally just cried on the subway (laughs) i was just i was just 
stuck in my train car, like literally sobbing into my hands. And this like this like sweet old lady was like, honey, are you OK? And I was like, no, I'm not. I have to poop. Like, <laughs> like she was probably expecting me to say like, oh, my mom died or something. And it's like, no, I'm just nursing like an eight pound baby right now in my colon. Fecal impactment. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, so- too, because I was like right before it, I was out because I worked in advertising and I was like. I was like this like 315 pound like funny guy and I was hanging out with a bunch of D1 Princeton athletes like the, my friends at the time were just like they were guys who were out of my league let alone the girls we were hanging out with uh, <laughs> and we like went out and I, I don't know I I think we got like roadside hot dogs or something and I ate too many like I always do and then we were back at his place and I was like oh, I gotta shit this is gonna and I'm not gonna shit in front of these people who like you know they don't a even like the tens. Come on. Yeah, man. they don't they don't even like the smell of me normally. I don't want to ruin their life. So yeah, I just like Irish exited and I was on the train just sobbing for like an hour and a half, trying not to crap my pants. <laughs> if you did, you definitely would have fit in with some of the people who oh, yeah. the train. City of dreams, baby. Uh, I remember one of the, oh no, this was in, in Boston, but um my buddy was riding the T and someone flopped his dick out and just pissed all over the floor. Yeah, and it, the, as oh the train would, as the train would stop and go, like the puddle would just shoot to the yeah, uh, dude, go to the back. People are lifting their feet up and like yelling and shit. Like <laughs> yeah, dude, train roulette. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how they were in the seats were in the Boston Metro, but in New York, like the seats had a little bit of a concave to them, and there would always just be like a mystery liquid in one of the seats. <laughs> That's how it is. And you just try to see like too. if the train stopped too hard, would that mystery liquid transfer to the next seat or not? That was that was my entertainment in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god city transportation man it yeah. you, you can't beat it in the in the states at least not at all now i now i just drive a car and listen to podcasts all the time it's very boring <laughs> Dude, so tell us a little bit about uh how you grew up yeah man so uh yeah like i said born and raised in raleigh um born uh i mean like my my family was religious and the fact that like you know both parents more so my mom's side was raised like like wickedly methodist and i say wickedly as i just mean like every like like generations of the family went to the same church like they were deep deep in the methodist church um both from very small towns like like one one town is so small that it legally it's called washington north carolina but everyone in north carolina calls it little washington um (laughs) It's just a tiny little town. Uh, yeah, my parents got divorced when I was like four or five. I do not really remember if I'm being honest. And like, I will say, I think one of the things that saved me from becoming like a total insane Christian in like middle school and high school is my parents never forced me to go to church, which was awesome. But I was I was so tight with all my other friends whose parents did force them to go to church that I just went all the time. My yeah. dad was my dad was definitely like the social Christian. Like, <laughs> I remember. Uh, you guys remember John Edwards, John Kerry's running mate? Um, oh, yeah. 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 John Kinda Edwards cheated on his wife while she was dying of cancer or something. Yeah. Like that. You know, real stand up guy. Your typical That's Democrat. Right. Um, and uh, he uh, he went to the church downtown and my dad was like, hey, we're going we're uh, we're Methodist now. We're going to this Edenton. We like joined. I got like confirmed in this church just because John Edwards went to this church. Like, <laughs> yeah. And the, I didn't the know second- he was such a selling point for people. I, my dad just loved that status, baby. My dad was a big, you know, big clout chaser. I love him to death, but, you know. You just want to uh, be then, close to greatness. Yeah. And then my mom, uh, she was like, it wasn't atheist, but just was very, like, angry at God for her shaken life growing up. So, like, I didn't really grow up in the church, but all of my friends were very Christian. Uh, and then my extended family was, like, 
very Christian. So anytime we would visit any holiday and then like growing up, it was like, I mean, as I'm sure you guys from listening, we all kind of ran in the same circles. Like, you know, youth group was just where we hung out at because oh, all yeah. my friends were so Christian. So like, you know, I went to a, went to a youth group. I was doing, do you guys have FCA? Was that a thing? Fellowship of Christian athletes. Oh, oh I, I've heard of it. Yeah, I think yeah. like, I wasn't an athlete, so that would have gone right over my head. But yeah, it, like it wasn't like a requirement. I don't know why it was called that. I think they had just added athlete because it was the activities you did, were like were like somewhat athletic based. Although they were like they were like secretly horny, which was kind of weird. Like it was oh, a lot of those games yeah. where you had to like balloon pop, you know, between like two bodies, and like I remember one was like you covered your face in whipped cream, and then like a girl had to like eat popcorn out of your whipped cream beard or whatever. With, so it was horny. like, dude, yeah, it was like, it was why, why is that? All, <laughs> we know why it's repression, but it always but then, like, but then the message would be like, all right, y'all, you're going to, I bet you, I bet your body's changing right now. And you want to go home and tug on that little pee pee. Well, don't you do that. Okay. <laughs> Cause you're going to burn in hell. Like it was the craziest, just like back and forth. But yeah, I mean, I grew up in like every, and like every single youth group church possible. Um, and then I got like, I got like really into God. what a funny way to say this. I got really into God. Um, it was high school. I don't honestly. I think it was for a girl. It was one hundred percent for a girl. Yeah. And then, it, but it, but it ended up being legit. Like th- I was like crushing on this girl. We were going to youth group. She was very serious about God. So I was like, dude, time to get serious about my man JC. Yeah, you know, tale as old as time. Yeah. What's funny is like by this point in my life, I have been saved probably like 17 times because I don't know about you guys, but like when you're 12 and an altar call happens, you're just kind of like, oh, this oh, yeah. is cool. I want to go up there like, just to be sure. Yeah. Dude, they're giving out iPod nanos at the altar call, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> a couple no. of the churches my friends went to were like the rich churches. I was like, yeah, dude, I'm definitely going to get saved. Oh, you're not <laughs> kidding. Holy crap. That's amazing. No, nah, dude. I remember this church. It was called Crossroads Fellowship and it was like they had like a skate park out front. It was it was rad. It was actually the, they had Reliant K come and play. That's how I found out about Reliant K. No way. That's so sick. That would have been in yeah. the glory days too. Oh yeah, this was like uh Sandy uh, Hawkins dance. Yeah, whatever that album is where they're like hurdling over the hurdles on their album art, like oh, the very Yeah. That's the first one I ever got from them and that's my yeah. favorite. Marilyn Manson ate my girlfriend. Yeah, dude. It's so good. Um but yeah, I mean, like doing all that, I got really, really, really like serious about it in high school. And like, I, dude, I remember just going to like so many. Do you guys remember a guy named Greg Laurie? Was that a thing that you guys knew about? I don't know if he was just a Southeastern dude, but I went to like a. I don't think so. I think it was called like Passion Now. You know, it was one of those like, you know, conferences. And yeah, <laughs> it was like the conferences I went the to the band, the, the band like. Yeah. OK, this band like Leland was the big. Oh, uh, I remember them. Yeah, they them. they played and this guy gave a huge talk and, you know, like 30,000 people came to Christ because if you raised your hand in that stadium, you accepted the Lord. And it was it was awesome. I mean, it was I, at the time I was like, this fucking rules, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then the funniest thing I remember, I got uh, I got my wisdom teeth out like literally the next day. And uh, I was I was loopy when they like took me out of the you know slumber or whatever. And I was like trying to like save my dental technician. Yes. Yeah. I was like, have you ever heard of Christ with like fucking gauze in my mouth? And, <laughs> and then she, and then she like walked me to the bathroom and she warned me. She was like, Hey, you're not fully awake. You may have some trouble like telling yourself to go pee. And I was like, don't talk to me about my penis. That's I'm sin. peeing already. 
And I went, I went in the bathroom <laughs> and I couldn't pee. And I, I remember I like, like kicked the door open. I hadn't pulled my pants up cause I was still loopy. And I was like, you guys broke my penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you so, help me? Help me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then like, I got, I don't know. It started like maybe junior or senior year of high school. I like started like dipping toes and like charismatic Christianity. Um, I, my friends. Oh yeah, dude. It was why I had like, I had previous encounters with it. Like when I was like, when I was in that middle school youth group, I remember my friend's dad took us to a, a, a river revival. Uh, but it was just in the parking lot of a Dick's sporting goods. under a t- <laughs> And the, the river was a slip and slide. And me and my friend were 11 and we didn't know. So we kept going through the slip and slide and our, like my friend's dad, who was like, you know, a, a little crazy but like nice enough he like walked up and he's like hey just so you guys know you've been saved like 17 times i think you're good like <laughs> we're <laughs> like dude, with cheap shortcuts wow that's, that's like, like minimum effort so that yeah was like it the like, baptism the slip and slide was like uh yeah like the, the pulpit the pulpit was at the end with like the fucking like flailing arms of the slip and slide. <laughs> they should have done it at Bass Pro Shop so you could at least go in like the carp tank, you know? Yeah, you know? It's like, I feel like if it was like going to like a snake healer's tent and he was using like rubber snakes or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Just big earthworms. Yeah. But no, I remember like uh, my, it was like senior year of high school into freshman year of college. Uh, you know, it was, it was definitely prob no not, not probably was definitely battling a lot of depression and my parents sent me to a uh, a christian therapist um Oof. so who like just you know ignored any actual problem i had and was like no let's just pray in front of this extremely patriotic eagle statue that i also have in my office oh that's <laughs> um a nice it was tight. <laughs> yeah and then i yeah so i got involved uh with this uh campus ministry it was called every nation ministries i've never uh, heard of that one either yeah, it's a cult. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How'd you get connected to it? Was it just through church? Dude, literally, nah, literally, I was like freshman year of college. I like went to this school. I didn't want to go there. I wanted to like go to film school in New York or like not go to college. And my dad was like, if you just go, it's like, it's where every single member of my family went to college. And they were like, if you go there, you can probably play football because I was this giant kid. Uh, and I, I literally like walked on the football team and spent two days working out with the team. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I am going to be a tackling dummy. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I think it was literally a dude on my hallway. I think he was wearing an under oath shirt. And we just we bonded over that. And then he was like, I'm going to go to this campus ministry thing tonight. And our, but literally both our intention was like, oh, we just want to play in the praise band. Because like it's just an, oh, what an easy way to like get chicks like play in the praise band you know um and i say get chicks knowing that that is now somewhat problematic but when i was 19 years old that was all that i cared about um and uh that's pretty much yeah i mean that's fair yeah <laughs> and we showed up and it was like it was your typical like dude what's up guys god has all brought us here for a purpose uh you know dude kept dropping the smoking hot wife line you know oh, that very god, oh cool yeah it was all the all the like telltale signs of like oh this is seedy um, and then like, I can't remember what their like yearly conference was called, but, uh, I went to it the first year at a church, like right outside of Raleigh. <laughs> I got, I got prophesied on by this guy named, uh, oh damn. I can't remember his name actually. But at the time he was like a famous prophet, which is hilarious to me. And that was a thing. Oh, yeah. And he, now and those it was like, live on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's crazy. It was like in the, the leader of the church, man, it's crazy that I can't remember any of these dudes names, but he was like, I, 
I'm going to put my glasses back on and Google what this dude's name was. Cause like he, he also ran like a big church in New York. Um, but yeah, this guy like prophesied over me and you know, it's like, you're going to lead millions to Christ in Africa. Uh, which is hilarious. Cause I was like, I've never been to Africa. And and, and since then I've never been to Africa. <laughs> just say whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. Oh dude. It was like, it was, I mean, it's, you know, it's tarot card reading for, for Christians. Like it's, he's yeah. just pulling random things out. Um, yeah. So that like, you know, that gave me a fire in my belly to bring more people to Christ. And I, I remember I got so into God and my dad who like, you know, is a Christian or not, who knows? Um, at one time we got into an argument uh when i was home from college for the summer and he called me god boy as an insult <laughs> whoa and i think that's the funniest thing <laughs> he was like why don't you go pray about it god boy oh my god that cuts deep <laughs> yeah the idea of a parent being the one to say that to a kid is <laughs> it's wild so funny dude yeah that's like he's the one that like took me to church so like the fact that i was going too hard for him was like, I got, maybe I should tell back, but I should have Darth Vader him and be like, I am what you made me. (laughs) (laughs) So did you lead millions to Christ? What's your body count? Your Christian body count? How many people do you lead? I don't even think I saved one person. Actually, no. (laughs) It's fast forward. I I have, I have baptized one Mexican child. Um, (laughs) And, but at the same time, it was also when I stopped believing in God. So I don't know if it counts. Um, Yeah. Hmm. I I never liked to think about that. I did a lot of like weird, like fake prophecy and speaking in tongues. Cause like me and all my friends were like, Oh yeah, we totally have this gift of the spirit, even though all it's, we're all, <laughs> we're all like deconstructed now. And it's funny when we talk about it. Cause we're all like, Oh dude, we are all just faking it. Like I thought you were doing it for real. And I wanted to seem cool. It was like very pharisaical on the fact of it's like, yeah. Oh, you're doing this. I I'm doing it too. It's cool. Yeah. I also have the power. It's cool. Like yeah, no one um, wanted to be the one to be like, to admit that like it wasn't, real so you just yeah. kept like you just kept the game yeah going. i was just part of this like weird campus ministry cult for like three years almost um, like when monopoly goes on too long but everyone yeah. just feels like they have to fucking yeah, keep dude. playing <laughs> they had this i remember on on the weekends they would leave the church open late and they would call it uh v hop victory house of prayer and they'd be like don't go to the clubs come here and pray and like we would go do that um v-hop. and it was just funny hmm. yeah it was it was wild uh yeah, so I don't know. I don't really know if I ever like brought anyone to Christ, but I mean, I was like, I mean, dude, I go back and look at my Facebook memories now, and I got to delete oh, stuff. Those are fun, aren't they? Because my statuses are just totally unhinged. Like, what can God do for you today? Or like, good morning, everyone. Like, the blessings of the Father be upon all. Like, I talked like I was insane. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was deleting some of my for a while, and then I was like, why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? Like, Yeah, I'm I not going to run for office. I, I, Actually, I if I ran need, for office, it would help. <laughs> yeah, I need this as a reminder. Uh, and every year, when they come up, you're just like more and more removed from that life. Yeah, I more so just like, delete them out of, out of embarrassment. It's just like... I, I yeah, remember, that's why I was doing it too. But, but like my, my entire time, I was always living like a dual life. Like I, at one point, I was playing bass in this praise band, but I was also rushing a fraternity in a weird i don't know why i was doing that in my life so there's there was a week where i was in the front of the paper twice one for handing out pamphlets during a campus ministry event and then like three days later i was on a float like visibly hammered (laughs) (laughs) and my like my entire like christianity path was like get really really on fire for god do something you know quote unquote wrong which was either like look at porn or have sex with the girl i was dating at the time or like party and then 
beat myself up for like two weeks after it and you know come crawling back to the cross uh that but, you is know, God. such uh dude that that's so many people's experiences i, I oh, the yeah. amount of times that i felt so holiness about who i was because at liberty dude i don't when we were at liberty they had pretty good um i don't know internet blockers on the dorms so <laughs> yeah there wasn't a lot of good ways around it and I, this is like it's kind of embarrassing also it's sad it's probably more sad than embarrassing to be honest but i i remember like trying my to find my way around it my roommates were gone every single weekend yeah um, and i was like trying to find something to be horny to and it was like you, you can't find porn it really was tough i'm sure if <laughs> i was wild he ended up drawing around. his own yeah, yeah. <laughs> i found these stick figures smashing on youtube and it was amazing no but I, he's it was like, a w with dots on it and he's, he's like, got to the point where, enough. <laughs> where circles turned you on you're yeah. like <laughs> those are nice circles i prefer more ovals and flips the other way but that's fine that's circles will do uh but it was just I, it was like a youtube video of somebody pole dancing in their underwear and i yeah. ended up turning it off after like two minutes and like just self-loathed i yeah, literally dude. like hit my head against the i fucking technically i fucking self-harmed i like oh yeah hit my head <laughs> against my bunk bed like a couple of times and was like stupid stupid oh like you're like it's it's awful it's, to think about it's crazy <laughs> that like at the time like that was that was like considered like yeah, yeah you should punish yourself you're doing the right thing you know like i i did should girl, i tell my ra yeah I dated a girl senior year of high school into freshman year of college. And like, we took each other's, you know, V cards and all that stuff. And like, we would have sex and then we would immediately start crying. And then I would go punch myself in the balls. Cause oh I was like, I have, to, I have to teach myself that this is not okay. And I say that now as a 32 year old. And I'm like, that's fucking dumb, dude. That's not okay. Like, you, like that's insane. Like if my, like, I mean, I don't, I don't have kids. I have a nephew. If my nephew comes to me in 10 years and he's like, Hey, I uh, I think I got my girlfriend pregnant, uh, and also I I punched myself in the ball six times. I would be like, dude, go to therapy. What's wrong yeah. with you? Like, go to therapy. Um, I, um, it's wild. I I know that I obviously wasn't the only person in my dorm doing that, but it, it's just to think back on that cycle. Like, it wasn't like oh, yeah. here's a few times. It's like that constant cycle, like with you and your girlfriend. It's like it's so out of control, but it shows you how bad the messages right like because it's yeah. not like you stopped you it, the message was never enough to make people stop it just was enough no. to make them fucking hate themselves I and nobody really talked like, openly about it either so like that, you didn't no. realize that everybody around you was having the same trouble and then you have like a three-week period where you were pretty good and then after that it's like every week and you're like remembering that three-week period like one time we had a pretty good run i think we can do it again you know <laughs> There was one guy in our, like, like he went to a different, I think he went to like the community, the local community college and he went to a different church, but he, he was like somehow related to our group just through like, I think like praise band stuff. Cause it was such a small town where we went to college. And I remember his Facebook status would be like, Lord, forgive me. I sinned and masturbated again. And we'd be like, <laughs> Whoa, oh, dude. Wow. Oversharing, oversharing yeah, on Facebook, man. Like, <laughs> Just insane stuff. But yeah, I mean, the message is always like, you know, hey, don't sin. But if you do, you'll be forgiven. Um, and then like, I mean, it's just like 
regular college design. Like my buddy and I, he's about to have a kid and like, we, you know, he was in my wedding and we talk about this all the time, but it's like, dude, we could have had like way more fun in college if we didn't get involved in this. And like, I had a strong party face. Like my final two years of college, I was in a folk band. I was going nuts. Like, but uh, <laughs> like, I think, I think of the first three, cause I was on the five year plan. Like I could have had such a regular college experience, but instead I just happened to go to the wrong campus ministry and I was depressed and impressionable. And then I just ended up just like, dude, I, I almost like, I almost dropped out of college, went to an unaccredited seminary that this, that this, you know, cult was running, uh, and gave them like 15, almost gave them 15 grand to become like, you know, a pastor in their section. Uh, thank God I didn't, but I have like, I don't, I'm not friends. I have people that I know on Facebook who did that. And it's like, it's crazy. I'm like, dude, and it's funny too. Cause I have friends. Who, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I have friends who like, I, I'd say, you know, let's say if there were a hundred people in that ministry, there's like, and I, if I, let's say, oh fuck, I'm not good at math. I was an English major. <laughs> and you let's weren't say, good at that either, were you? No, uh, not really, man. <laughs> if there was a hundred people in that, in that ministry, I only talked to like 25 of them. And of those 25, like maybe two, I'd say are still like involved quote unquote. Um, yeah. And it's funny cause we've all deconstructed and like a few of them have like gone hard off the deep end. Like, like one girl like converted to Mormonism and then deconverted to that and then came out. And I think she's like a bourgeois dancer in New York now, which is awesome. It's cool. But it like, it was like, it was such a journey to get there from the repression that was put on you from this thing. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause like, I remember we all, when we all found out that it wasn't when it like, we all had our feelings for like, Oh, this is kind of sketchy. They're like taking money from us and they're like really controlling. Like I, there were times where like I, you know, myself or like someone else in the ministry, you know, we met with the, the head pastor like once a week, you know, like by themselves, you would buy them lunch. Uh, Cause they were, they lived on donations from the church and we had to support them. Um, and you know, like you'd be like, Hey, so like I've been, I've been courting, which is, stupid that you had to talk like this you're like i've been courting you know tory for a few months and i think we're ready to like become and get into a relationship and the guy would be like he would literally be like oh no i don't think god is telling you telling me to tell you to do that like it was just like <laughs> okay yeah like oh. absolutely insane stuff like that um and then like the big thing that like really was like the massive red flag is they had this thing called the purple book and they were so big on like, you got to get people to buy the purple book. And it was like their devotional, but it didn't really talk about Jesus. Like it did obviously, cause you can't be a like, Christian and not talk about Jesus, but it more so talked about like the pastors and how, how like profound and powerful they were. And like the, the meaningful, like the importance of like gifts of the spirit and like being on fire with the Holy spirit and stuff like that. And I remember we were just kind of all like, Hey, shouldn't this like, talk about stuff from the Bible more and like, not these three guys who are humans. Like, Dude, so this was uh, literally like about these guys that you were directly involved. Yeah. In, just like pastors in general within the organization. Yeah, it was, it, it was so like these guys were like, I mean, let's, let's look at it as a pyramid scheme. These pastors who ran our thing were probably like tier three or tier two. And the purple book talked about like the guys up top who were like tier one. And I, I've, can't remember their fucking name to save my life probably out of trauma and just blasting it out of there but like <laughs> i remember one of our friends googled their name and we found out that like 
basically these guys in the late 80s were doing the exact same thing. And like the governing body that like oversees Christian campus ministries was like, hey, guys, you got this is a cult. You can't do this. So you have to we're going to force you to disband and you can't run a ministry for 10 years. And then those 10 years came up and they literally were just like, we're back, baby. Doing the same thing. <laughs> Different name. Same dudes. Same thing. And everyone was like. Yeah, dude, we, yeah, we believe you. All right, cool. Keep keep on doing it, brother. All for the all for the kingdom. And it's uh, campus. What is it now? Campus. It's called every. It was called Every Nation Ministries. I would imagine. I wonder if they've changed their name at all. Oh, guarantee. After, after multiple controversies and. Well, they changed it from the whatever the name was. Every Nation Ministries. They were based in Tennessee. Yeah, they're still based in Brentwood, Tennessee. I can't yeah. remember like. These groups, like, they shift around so much. Like they hit a dead end with one name and then they shift in a different direction. They're just yep. like MSMs in that way. Like, yeah, the uh, you know, you go from selling like Mona V berry juice to like, boom, you're an advocate now. And uh, all of a sudden yep. you're selling, uh, you know, monogram ping pong balls or something like that. Yeah. And it was like I could draw a picture of the guy, but I can't remember what his name was. It was maybe Greg something. But Basically, we all went on this. Uh, we all went on this mission trip uh, to like Baja, California, or like Mexico, or whatever. Um, and we were we were literally like first day. We were having the morning prayer, and this dude, I remember his name was Nick Jones, who was like you know that tier three guy. Nick Jonas? No, <laughs> that'd be tight. Uh, no, this guy looked like if he ate three Nick Jonases. Um, <laughs> and uh, he was praying in tongues, and it literally like I don't know if this was God or what, but something hit me, and it was like this is not right. Like this does not at the time I probably would have classified. I probably would have said something like this is not of God, you know? Uh, but I, we were there for 10 days. So I literally spent 10 days and I was like, I'm just going to like, you know, minister to these people, but just like in a personal way, like I'm not going to try to tell them about God. I'm just going to like be human to them. What day was thing, it that you were like, Oh, it weird. was like day one. Like we, okay. were, like we were waking up for breakfast, eating breakfast. And like, he was debriefing us on like how many purple books we had to give out that day. Oh my God. Um, how old was at this point? This, when you I, did was, this, you were, was I was 20. College? I was 19 or 20. Oh, like yeah. In between college and no, no, I was in college. So yeah, this was like, this was, was the college ministry college. I was part of. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And I think, I think this was over like spring break or something. And, uh, yeah, I had like a huge mental breakdown for like those 10 days. It was just me like literally like I went off by myself because I knew how to speak enough Spanish to like not get killed. Uh, and I just went off and like hung out with these dudes um, and like played soccer with them and like met his kids. And then like he introduced me to the rest of his uh, community. And like it was great. Like I actually it was funny because at the end of the week, one of the guys came out to me and was like, hey, I want you to baptize my kid. And I straight up was like, oh, dude, no, I don't like. I don't know if you want me to do that. And he was like, no, no, no. Like he, he, he wants you to do it. I was like, all right, sure. Like, I don't know if it means anything. Cause I don't know what I believe in anymore, but hold well, him down for way too long. Yeah. But it was like, <laughs> it was crazy. Like I remember there was this woman who was in a, um, she was handicapped. She was in a wheelchair and she had a huge like dent in her head. Cause apparently when she was a kid, like a car had like backed over her or something. Holy shit. And, uh, they were, they were like, all these girls were like laying their hands on and they're like, the Lord's going to make you walk again. And she in Spanish no. was like, she was like, it's really hot. And they were like, yeah, that's the fire of the spirit. And it was like, no, they were like rubbing their hands on her legs and like on her body. And she was like trying to tell them like, you are literally causing friction to my body and burning it. And they were like, they literally, I just remember this girl being like, and the Lord said, walk and like yanked this woman out of her chair. And she just like, she literally took like one stumble forward and like, you know, her leg caught her and then she fell forward. 
No one no. went to help her, and they were like, "Praise God, she walked!" Like it was just no the way. Most, oh wow, dude, it was it was crazy. The biggest crock of shit. Like I can't yeah. believe they actually said she walked, dude. Talk about confirmation bias at its oh, finest. dude. Like this. Oh, if I yeah. put you down a flight a flight of stairs, that was you walking. Perfect. Amen. You took fifteen steps. If only your faith dude. could have sustained you for a few more steps so you could sit I, back down. I like. <laughs> tore ligaments in my ankle quote unquote i just had a bad ankle sprain uh when we were playing like church basketball one time went to the hospital to get an x-ray they were like yeah keep off it for a few days later that night i'm on pain meds by the way and everyone's like laying hands on it they're like no no no, dude you're gonna walk you're gonna walk and like yeah i walked because it was a like a medium grade sprain it wasn't that bad and they're like dude god healed your ankle i still have a wonky ankle like to this day (laughs) like yeah, it oh was it was God. massive confirmation bias. So I finally I got I got out of that, um, and it, it took a lot of like a lot of googling and figuring out like, okay, do I believe in any of this stuff? And then I actually like started to you know research like what does the Bible say about prophecy and speaking in tongues and all this stuff? And I was like, oh, we followed zero of those rules or any of that doctrine. Um, someone needs I, to interpret them. That's the one thing that always yeah, stuck out to me is yeah. hilarious because some there was, any, anyone. Could just zero interpreter like, dude here's what i think this means like yeah so someone speaks gibberish and has no idea what they're saying and somebody else gets to go don't worry guys i know what god's telling us. yeah dude and it was just like what's funny is like it was just a bunch of like kids who wanted to feel some sense of community and like exactly. we were all depressed or bullied or in some kind of way and we just wanted to like feel important and like these guys empowered us just enough to make us feel important you know, but also fuck us up for yeah, a while. When you're well, just that's like, that's the cult thing. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what cults like that's legitimately like how they they end up with a loyal following. And oh yeah. I forget it was like a year or two ago. I forget which streaming service, but they put out a uh a documentary series. It was like a two part series on um Heaven's Gate. Yeah and talk to a bunch of people who were in it. And that is like a hundred percent what they described it, which is crazy. Cause I think there's all, all of us have had a time when like we would have been vulnerable to that. It's like, no one likes me. I don't feel any sense of community. I don't feel like I have any friends. I have no prospects, no hope of like a better future. I'm yeah. just stuck. And all of a sudden this group comes along and they're like, Hey, you're actually, you're special. And, you know, we've got a place for you and you have a higher calling. You know, all these people that you feel insecure about over here, like you feel in, you know, like you're not as good as them and you feel worried when you're in their presence. You're actually more important than them. Yeah. You have something, you have a higher calling than them and we're going to help you find it. You just need to do all these things that we tell you to do and give us all your money, please. Thank you. And then when you try to leave, we're going to bully you into we're, we're going to bully you into staying. And then when you finally do leave, we're going to discredit you on all our social media channels. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the, a new the, one. The promise yeah. of power too, if like because I, I had a stint in a charismatic group after growing up in a non-denominational church, the kind that didn't do any charismatic stuff. I was always taught that that stuff wasn't right. Uh, so maybe you could factor that into like my original rebellion. Like that was my probably natural exit from yeah. evangelicalism was like, oh, that's the stuff that's not right. So once I started hanging out with people who are all about it, it was like, well, they. I mean, I love this person and I trust them. 
and they yeah. told me that they prayed for this person and they felt that warm feeling in their leg and then they were better. And I heard yep. those stories over and over and over again. I never witnessed them for myself, but I like, so I'm like, is it me? Like they're witnessing them. They're telling me they're seeing these things, What? but I haven't. And I think I just kept, I think I stuck around to see it. Uh, and then after not seeing it and only hearing about it for so long, and it makes it tough because I still trust that the people who told me that believe what they're saying. And some of them are still deeply in, in that world. A couple of them oh, are dude. pastors at Elevation Church now. You and know, like, wait, in, uh, cause I know that's out of Charlotte, yeah. uh, but is that, okay. I didn't know. Is that like, man, is that expanded to be like out of North Carolina? It's, uh, they have a multi, a bunch of campuses. That's but crazy. Multiple they, of them are. Yeah, they're out of Charlotte. It's like it's the pastor who has like mul- like multiple million dollar homes and wears like Furtick. ten thousand. Yeah, yeah, Stephen Furtick. And a There's lot of a, sex uh, abuse. Uh, yeah, accusations. He a, he, he actually I, so far he doesn't have. He's got other controversies, but yeah, he doesn't have anything sexually. Sexual yeah, but yeah, the, I just uh, was like, oh, these people. I I don't know. It just I I I wanted to see it, and then I would hear about it so much, and it, I they I don't know what they saw. They I. I have to believe that they believe that they saw something or they thought they saw something, but I got to a point where it's like, I can't keep up with this. It's not, yeah. it just feels, it feels like that's what I'm living for now. Like just that confirmation, like is my life about just trying to constantly confirm what I believe or is it fucking living something and doing something <laughs> instead of yeah, my, for that? I just got tired of like being, yeah, just being told like, Oh, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this have to do it this way, you know? Um, yeah, it was, you know, uh, Casey, you'd mentioned like the, the cult thing and finding impressionable people, like going to the, their like mega event, uh, which was like, I think in the fall, it was like, you walked, this is going to sound so mean, but I, you walk, and I say this, I'm one of these people, you walk into the, this giant mega church and you're like, Oh, there's just a bunch of fucking losers in here. Like there's not, there's not one person who you're like, oh, this guy is a leader. Like it was all a bunch of people who were like, oh, you, like you're impressionable too. It was a bunch of people who had just been taken advantage of. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny because like for me, the way I got into it was through music, and that's probably why I like the Aaron Lunsford episode so much because like I was, I was the Christian scene kid. I loved Under Oath. I loved you know As Cities Burn. All these dudes, all these Christian bands were like, I was like, hold on. I'm angry and the noises they are making sound angry, but they also have a good message behind it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so like we all, me and all my friends bonded over that. Cause we were all like, you know, we were little scene kids who loved the, that music. Uh, and it's just, it's crazy. Cause I got, I got out of that, out of that church. And like, I had like a few months where I wasn't involved in one and then got, I bumped like bumped right back into this other, like, uh, they said they're non-denominational, but they were an Acts 29 church. Oh God. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's okay. What does that mean? Cause that's, Mark that's a term that's come up that. several times. So Mark, yeah, Mark. Yeah. You got it, dude. I don't have a lot more to say. Mark Driscoll <laughs> was part of it. Uh, but I think he eventually bowed. I can't remember what the, there was, oh, a, no, he got, yeah. he got kicked out. Yeah. That's what it was. He got kicked yeah. out of it. Cause yeah, he had some fucking uh, asshole. <laughs> Yeah, it was just it was another one of those things. It was very controlling. Um, they actually wouldn't. I got involved in that, and then I at the same time did Young Life for like three weeks. Um, and this is this gets us caught up to where I said I was in that folk band for a little bit. I was in Young Life. I was I was twenty one. I was legally allowed to drink. Uh, I was uh, we we were like at a gig playing. Young Life, and I had, uh, 
was they had they like they had groups for people who were older too. No, so it was like the old. It was like if you were in college, you had a a group like a like a small group, but then you would go and minister to high school kids. Okay, okay. But that the whole is thing a, that's very big around here. There's like a bunch of young life groups here that are a big deal. It, they yeah. seem like they do nice things around here. I th- like it was fine when I was in it. The thing that it was just very uh, hypocritical. Like everyone was like smoking weed and fucking each other, which is like that's fine. That's co- <laughs> hell yeah, that's college. So you should be doing. But like if you did like one bad thing, like if you if you let that leak into public, game over. So like I was at a gig and I was drinking a beer on stage and they're like, oh, we have to kick you out. It's a bad witness. I was like, I'm 20. I'm 21. What are you talking about? Like they're like, oh, you can't drink. Very, very like anti-drinking, which is funny because like we would play water pong at like our events. Like, <laughs> like it's so weird. I, it's, I when I was in I might have been 18 or something like that, but. I knew someone who did stuff with young life and my parents are always like, I don't know about young life because it's not as, ov- my impression of it was it's not as overtly Christian. It's like, let's try to like engage people in a more normal yeah. way. So it's outside of church and people feel like they can do it without going to youth group. And I, my parents didn't love that, I guess. But I think what, like, so what you're saying about people just like, you know, it's the young college kids drinking party and smoking yeah it's, whatever. it's youth group like, for cool kids like that was what i i remember my mom mentioning it was like i don't know about all the leaders there like i, I don't know that i want my <laughs> kids involved with it and i'm like the more i learn about it, i'm like the more i'm like oh yeah it was just it i get what it was trying to do and it seems like it's like cool and maybe i don't know where you are casey when everyone's probably maybe everyone's a little more straight laced but what you're saying is what i remember being even the way that my mom was like described it to me like why she might have issues with it in some way yeah i think it's like training it's like setting you up to go into politics where you know you can have artwork (laughs) of dead kids on your wall but then make a big deal out of taking children to drag shows yeah big time yeah actually it's it's a it's a very uh like undercover republican organization too is it yeah young life is big time they're like like mega anti-lgbt all that stuff like i mean you know any big Christian organization, you know, you pull, you literally pull one layer off the onion and you're like, oh, this thing's rotten. We're not even at the core yet. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, they do yeah. So I did on. that for like a brief stint. And I remember I got, I actually got asked to not come back to the church because I was meeting with the pastor. Uh, I had been dating a girl at the time for like two years. And, uh, I was, I, I we were just like shooting the shit and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to go, uh, back home and house set for my sister this weekend. And the girl that I'm dating is going to be there too. And he was like, hold on, you're going to be staying in the same house by yourself with your girlfriend. I was like, yeah, dude, we've been together for two years. Like, of course he's like, are you going to sleep in the same bed? I was like, 100% man. Yeah. (laughs) I like the lack of shame. Yeah. At this point, like I was over, I I had moved past all of that. I this was like, I was deep into my party phase. Like I still held Christian beliefs, but I was deconstructed enough to where I was like, God's not going to care if I drink alcohol or have sex with my girlfriend. Like, I mean, what that's, you know, belief differences aside, but, uh, yeah. And he was, you know, he was just like, are you, have you guys had premarital sex? And I was like multiple times a week, my guy, like we are, 
we're staying in it. And uh, yeah, he like, he literally got up and left. And I remember I got an email from him and the pastor and they're like, uh, you can't come back. He had to go confide in the pastor that, he, that yeah, you were he not was, living the way you should. I don't think that's what he did. I think he ran to the bathroom and jerked off real quick. And then probably dude. Yeah. <laughs> and then he and, confessed that to the pastor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, listen, Spencer was talking about some really hot stuff. Uh, like, oh, I'm so jealous. And then he started thinking. <laughs> And it wasn't about his wife, and he felt real bad about it. Afterwards. I just can't yeah. quit thinking about Spencer thrusting. <laughs> yeah, and that was like that was like my last real like foray into any sort of like church organization. I uh, I remember the first time I moved back from New York in 2014. I went to church one time with a buddy in Raleigh, and I it was I wouldn't it wasn't mega church level, but there was maybe like you know three four hundred people there. And I remember the guy, the head pastor, was up on stage, and he was like holding the Bible and he's like, we will not let the homo agenda dictate how we love Christ. And I just got like Uber had just started. And I was like, I, uh, I'll talk to you guys never again. Goodbye. Like I just literally <laughs> just, I walked out in the middle of the thing. I, I literally never talked to those friends again. <laughs> I, those talking points are always funny because like they aren't and no one cares and no one there is gay. And if Dude, they I, are, they had already left or they're 14 and, probably going to struggle yeah. with serious mental health issues later but like that, my funny that, thing sorry go ahead no you're good go i was like my my thing is like and i said this you know a few days ago when uh the this uh abortion ruling happened and i was like what abortion ruling exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're all very happy about it oh, uh, <laughs> no but uh I put a thing up and I was like, if Jesus came back today, he would ride a bike and Tucker Carlson would call him a gay liberal on national TV. And everyone would be like, yeah, dude, he's right. Cause like, it's just so we're so far removed from anything Jesus actually said or did that. It's yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like I remember seeing it a while ago, but people were throwing out the term and I'm sure y'all y'all have heard it, but it's called y'all y'all Qaeda. Referring to like all, Alt right, like you know, super super conservative Christianity, calling it Yal Qaeda because it's just you're just making shit up. Like it's like, have you ever read the Bible? There's no way that Jesus would be down with any of this stuff. And I'm like, I say that I don't classify myself a Christian anymore. I like I the things that I still I still believe in God. I can't go full on atheist. Um, but like you know, I've I've traveled too much and talked to people of other religions to be like, oh yeah, I'm the right one. <laughs> like, uh. And it's That'll just not sometimes, but I've read so many different translations of the Bible. I mean, I don't know. Did you guys ever read the message? Yeah. Well, dude, no. I, not a lot, oh, dude. but the message, I, that was one that, um, my youth pastor gave, so yeah. gave to a friend who I was bringing to youth group who he, that's, this is my, it doesn't really count now because he's out. Uh, yeah. But, that was my that was the one friend I brought to Christ. <laughs> Hell yeah. And my youth pastor gave him the message. Oh, dude, you're getting actually let me check the score. Yeah, man, you're gonna get a nice villa in heaven for that. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> is there a hot tub? Because yeah. my back hurts, uh, so I would love it. There's, there's not a hot tub, but it is a whirlpool tub in the house. Well the jets will do, as long as they yeah. have good uh water pressure, I guess. You can bump where I stand, because I don't remember actually leading anyone to Christ, but you know, I did give a uh, little Mexican kid, my Timex watch when we were in Mexico. There you go. On a missions trip. I think it counts. It, I don't know. Is that giving Your me anything? Your witness was so pure, though. The amount of people you don't know 
You planted so many seeds, bro. Yeah, dude. And there's I just so te- many people who worship Christ because of you. Dude, I just want to rent a room from Sam in heaven. That's all I want. <laughs> I just, I just you can the sleep list. on my couch. I want you to sleep on my heaven couch. You are allowed. You're allowed to sleep on this couch, and we can get you a golf cart. But that's it. Because I have, I'm, such I'm a, sold. I'm, no, I'm good I, with that. I have so much property. You need to use the golf cart to get around. Yeah. I just don't have a hot tub. I, I don't have like a You got like a gemstone like campus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I totally lost track of what I was even talking about. Yeah. Al-Qaeda. Yeah, oh, Al-Qaeda. Yeah. Ah, that's it. I'm just, I, yeah. I do wonder. It is like weird to think about. Sometimes I sit and think about like the the strange questions that I had and the, and the, the disagreements that I had with certain things. I remember at one point I got, somebody bought me that book, Jesus freaks that yeah, Jesus. Dude. Oh my God. Was that, was the, that was, that was the martyr book, right? Yeah. Oh well, my yeah. God, dude. And it was like, it was pretty dark. I mean, it was basically yeah. just story after story of people getting like murdered for their beliefs. You know, I'm sure they were all true. That'd make a good and murder podcast. It did. <laughs> just read those stories. The, the Jesus Freaks recounting podcast. Yeah, yeah I wonder I'm, what the I'm embellishment level that. on those were. I don't know. I mean, maybe there wasn't any, but, you know, like, I remember going to my pastor. One of the few times that I ever, like, seriously went for outside advice on yeah. something that I didn't understand. And I remember going and talking to him and being like, hey, Pastor, I'm like reading this book and all of these stories where like, you know, the guy gets he's getting cornered by these government officials and they ask him if he's hiding, a you know, this or a that. And he just like tells them and they end up killing his family because he doesn't want to tell why I'm like, I don't I, I don't get this. I really don't get this like. Why didn't he lie? Why didn't he try to save his family or get them out? Like, you know, I just had no, I really didn't know what to do with the whole concept of martyrdom. He was like, you can't lie to save your family, but you can buy a gun and shoot anyone that comes on your property to protect your family from the enemies. (laughs) See, that's what I was looking for. That's in my head. (laughs) That's what I was looking for. I was looking for like a, well, you know, that's a misinterpretation of what Jesus, Jesus would have wanted you to you know, to protect yourself and your family. Jesus supports stand your ground laws. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I wanted to hear. I mean, no, yeah. not even joking. That's what I wanted to hear. I was like, this doesn't compute for me because the idea of martyrdom to me is, is dumb and weak. Let's out. Yeah. Tell me this guy didn't go out swinging. What? <laughs> yeah. I, it just totally didn't compute. And he didn't have a real good answer for me. He kind of beat around the bush a little bit. I think he just didn't know what to do with the question. I mean, which is understandable. Yeah. But, you know, our, our worldview was like, it was like conservative Republican worldview. And it had just like a, a, a me, if you put Christianity into like one of those little Mio bottles, and just yeah. like gave it a one second squeeze. That's what it actually came down to. It was like that much Bible injected into, you know, we got a couple of the rules out of there about like, don't have sex, don't swear, don't watch, 
you know, rated R movies, but the yeah. rest of it, like totally incompatible with the character of Jesus and and who we were probably supposed to emulate and be. Yeah, when I actually like got away from like the organized church and I, I remember I remember the Bible that I bought, it was called the Green Bible and the whole the whole stance on you it, it was so like many what... different color Bibles, dude. Purple. I know, dude. Green. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's weird because I don't read at all anymore, but there was a hot minute where I was doing a lot of reading. But uh, it, the whole thing, it was it was what does Jesus say about nature? Um, but I mean, it wasn't like I think it was like the NIV translation, but it just had the not inspired de- version. Yeah. <laughs> instead of like instead of uh, Jesus's words highlighted in red in the New Testament, it was just anytime nature is mentioned in the Bible, it's highlighted in green. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I'm not even that much of a hippie. I just wanted to see like what's a different take on this. But That's I read it. Dope, dude. It was pretty great. And I, I read it like not not for the nature thing. I just wanted a different, you know, focus. But like reading through it, I was like, no church I've been a part of has done this. And, and by this, I mean like the teachings of Christ or like any of the actual like quote unquote laws or like, you know, however you view the the old covenant versus the new covenant, all that stuff. Like no one was teaching that. It was all from what I gathered, you know, loose things like sex masturbation porn which like was so we- it was like a weird every church i've been a part of just had a weird focus on sex and like sexual impropriety 100 yeah. percent. yeah and then it was like a little bit of like oh and by yeah if you like be a good person but only if they're elevated the worst of things and it was the most prevalent thing that you can find in the bible like everyone was doing it with multiple people all the time yeah that's the one they got hung up on yeah it was so weird funny. man I always yeah, think about I, it as just like your youth group leaders were scared parents. Like that's a hundred percent of whoever, you know, anybody who helped out with the youth group when I was a kid and it was like, they were, they were so worried about their kid going off on a path that was destructive or something like that, that that became yeah. the entire focus of it. Like there was so little about like, what is it what does it mean to actually like be a good person like how do you yeah. how do you how do you be a good friend to the people around you like there was nothing about that it was all just came down to like here's the doctrine that we believe point by point by point on all of these different things and the trinity and the yep. you know blah 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 and here's a list of rules that you have to obey if you want to live a good life please Christ and not end up a failure yeah yeah, it was crazy. And then like just taking like one step away from that and just reading it for myself, I was like, oh, I believe in so many different things than this. <laughs> and like like and it's funny because like the the way that I like want to treat people now and the way that I, you know, like in, in regards to homelessness and like stuff like that, because that's a big thing that I like. It, I no questions asked. If I see a homeless person, if I've got money or anything, I'm just like, just take it, dude. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, you're going to spend it on drugs. Like, I hope it is. I hope you are. It's hot as shit outside. Get high. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, like I didn't learn any of that. I mean, I, some of it I learned from the Bible. Cause like looking at, you know, God, you know, was it Jesus, uh, touching the leper and like the good, you know, the good Samaritan, all these, all these parables and stuff like that, that we, that we were like never actually learned in church. But then when I read them, I was like, oh, yeah okay like god jesus was a good person like we never actually talked about that it was just only about like financial stability sexual impropriety burning in hell a lot of a lot of leaning into the burning in hell kind of thing um and then like you know other religions are wrong and it really like like i you know i kind of mentioned it like 
my thing is, and I think you guys have kind of touched on this in a few episodes. Like I, it's so hard to like let go of any Christian values that I was raised with because it was such a big part of my life. I mean, even though my parents weren't that religious, I went to a Christian summer camp for six weeks every summer. Like we literally had Bible study two times a day and sang praise. Six weeks. Yeah, dude. My parents got divorced when I was like five and they, my sister was a few years older than me. So she could like, they were like, I think she went to one year, but she was old enough to like do her own thing. (laughs) They were like, let's send the kid off to the mountains. Like, cause I I mean, I was, I was a crazy kid. And I think the first time I went for like two weeks, but then I loved it. Like some of my best friends were from there and I ended up just being like, Hey, I'm going to go for like some years it would be like three, but yeah, my longest day was like six weeks and it was an overnight camp. It was like four hours away from where I lived. It was great. And the the cool thing about it was, is it was international. So I got to meet all these people from every other part of the world. That is cool. Like, and while it was a Christian camp and everyone was Christian there, like just hearing about other cultures, like that's how I found out about fucking soccer. Cause like MLS existed, but no one, no one cared about the MLS in the early two thousands. Like, um, (laughs) yeah. And then like, so like Christianity, especially living in the South. I mean, I don't know what it was for you guys growing up, but like it's, it's everywhere. I mean, I even remember when I was dating, one of the questions most people would ask, like, Oh, what church are you a part of? And like, it's, it's not, that's not as prevalent now, but like in the mid two thousands, it was nuts. I mean, it was totally normal to go to a concert and like get punched in the face by a dude. And then 30 seconds later, then be like, what's up? We're bludgeoning yourself to death and we play for Christ. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Dude, especially where your your area, it's even more culturally Christian than a lot. Like South Dude. Carolina, so culturally Christian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I'm in I'm in North Carolina, but it's the same way. The oh, Carolinas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just all of. I mean, when I lived in New York, like I would meet Christians in New York, and I would be like, "You're nothing like how like people up where I'm from would think you're a, a heathen." Like, like my my family, my. My I'd say my mom's side extended family. I don't really fuck with them that much because um, they're like they're big Trump people. But like they are, they are culturally Christian. Like, dude, they raise hell, they drink, they party. But like, dude, if you're gay, you're burning in hell, according to them. Like, it is, and it's just it's it's bizarre. It's so weird to me, man. And it's like it's crazy too because it's it's one of those things where like growing up, I really, really, I loved these people. And I mean, I still do love them, but like I was friends with a lot of these people growing up and now, and as I'm sure it's happened with you guys, I've I've ended or lost a lot of friendships based on beliefs now. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, man, just go to like, just go to another country where Christianity is not the main religion. And like, tell me, tell me that we're wrong. Like I, I, this is such a cliche white dude thing, but like I went to India for a month in 2017 not as like a vision quest. I literally went for a coworker's wedding and my, the company I was working for funded it. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to screw off. Pretty in, cool. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to screw off in India for 24 days. Uh, and just like driving around and like seeing these amazing, uh, you know, palaces and, and temples and all these things built to like multiple different religions that dates way before the times of Christ. I'm just like, how am I, I'm not going to, walk up in here and be like, yeah, you're fucking wrong, dude. <laughs> it's, you know it's funny about like thinking back on the church days and stuff is one thing that I'm a, I'm a big believer in and that I, I constantly like try to remind myself of is that like nobody remembers the things that you say. They remember the way that you made them feel. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And 
there was like there were some crappy people in my church and in my school and stuff like that. But there was a lot of really good people that had really interesting life experience and stuff like that. And especially when you first leave Christianity, like all that you remember is how they made you feel like the things that they said that you took in a really negative way and, and felt like you deserved it and stuff like that. And it kind of overshadows that a lot of the good things that happened in those environments too. And, and I think it takes like a little bit of distance for you to really appreciate like how good, like there was a guy that was kind of like my youth leader for a few years. He was a great big guy. I think he's still alive. I'm not sure, but he was a linebacker for the Steelers. Like Holy shit. You know, back in the leather helmet days or something like that. <laughs> But uh, Mr. A is what we called him. And yeah, he was such a good dude. Like he was such a good dude. And he th- had like all these great stories. And I remember he really like spent some time with me and stuff after youth group and things. And he was kind of interested in some of the same things that I was. I remember one time he gave me like a, I was really into like outdoor stuff and hunting and things as a kid. Yeah. And he gave me like this old shotgun. Which and was now it's, now it's hanging behind you. <laughs> right. It was one just like that, actually. <laughs> if I'm sure sounds really ominous and scary. It it wasn't. It was, you know, an no, it's, old it's, gun. I for get hunting. it. It's touching. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's easy to like look back and like what I remember most is like a time when we were on a youth youth trip and he flipped out at us for like making a ruckus in the room and like kind of acting up and stuff like we were just excited to be away from home and stuff. And yeah, I remember he like lost his mind at, at this youth retreat thing. And it's like, God, that's, that's burned. You think about so many people that you had in your life at that time that were really good. And like, it's hard to remember things outside of like the sermon that they taught about, like, not listening to secular bands or not watching certain TV shows or how you shouldn't date until you're out of college because it's only for getting, you know, finding a a marriage partner and you can't get married right now anyways. So it's a waste of time. You're exposing yourself to temptation needlessly. It's it's too bad. On your wedding night. Yeah, right. It's just, it's too bad because like there was so many good things in there that are overshadowed by the stupid stuff that you, you have to wonder, like, did they really believe it to the extent that they represented it? Or did they feel like they had to, whether it was other parents that were putting pressure on them or this curriculum that they were supposed to teach, or just this like overwhelming sense of responsibility. Like I've got to impart some values on these kids or else they're going to end up in terrible situations. Yeah. Like, were they just doing a job? (laughs) <laughs> you know right right yeah yeah i never like there's out of all of my you know animosity that i feel towards the organization that i refer to as the church there's not there's not really a person that i'm like man fuck that guy or girl because at the same time it's like i now that i maybe you know 10 years ago i may have felt that way but now it's like i feel the exact same way where i'm like they were just doing a job or they were doing at the time what they felt was right you know uh there's like one dude who, if I see in public, 
I'll, I'll tell him off pretty severely. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's like the only guy. Ooh, Everyone what did else. Do? And what's his name? No, if it's not a big deal, I'll tell it. It's actually funny. I didn't realize, uh, I say that. And I actually, I did see him in public one time and he was, uh, ministering to kids and, uh, he was like a few tables behind me at a coffee shop and I could hear the kids reacting. And I was just like, Ah shit! Like he's doing it again because he's 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 since moved to where I live, uh, and then he actually left. The kids paid for his meal, of course, and I just went over to those kids afterwards, and I was just like, "Hey, uh, he used to teach me," and I just talked to them for like ten minutes. Didn't get through to him at all, you know. I could tell that Wait. they were they were they're very much entrenched, and they're like, oh, "We're being man. we're being tempted by the devil right now," you know. But I was like, I did my justice, you know. But the they'll fact- remember that someday when they're ready for it. Yeah, but that's actually what like pissed me off enough to be like, oh, he's still doing this shit. Like, so I, that's that's where it's kind of one of those things where I was like, it's on site. If I see him again, was he um, part of that organization? Yeah, he was like the main. He was the guy, you know. Like I was, I was the Anakin to his Obi Wan, you know. <laughs> okay. To to put it to put it loosely, <laughs> uh, and. Yeah, and it was a bummer because, like, dude, like, just exactly what you said. Like, dude, I used to spend a ton of time with this guy. We, like, we created, like, a, a fake game together. We called it Slub Ball. It was, like, a game that we played, like, during lock-ins with, like, a bunch of people. Like, we have core memories with this dude. Uh, and then, but let's say, it's, like, once I finally, like, someone ripped the sheet off, I was, like, oh, this guy has been manipulating and taking advantage of me and dozens of other kids for a long time, you know? Um and it's crazy because I remember we were friends with his uh, younger brother and his younger brother hated his ass and we never understood why. And his younger brother was a little bit of a burnout and we were like, oh, I mean, you know, it's just it's so and so. That's just how he is. And then, you know, now that we get to it more, we're like, oh, he was fucking warning us. We should have been smarter. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it. Like most people, I feel like, yeah, are just doing a job or like aren't maliciously like that guy, Mr. A, you know. You guys were what in middle school? How old are you guys? Yeah, would have been middle school mostly. Yeah, he probably just had a bad day and was like, "I gotta, I'm, I want some peace and quiet. I gotta let into these kids." But that's you know obviously what has made you remember him now, which is unfortunate. But it's like I remember getting yelled at by parents at sleepovers and being like, "Oh, like, wow, so dude, uncomfortable." Your dad's a real asshole. But then I think about it now and I'm like, oh, dude, if I had a bunch of fucking 12 year olds in my house screaming at three o'clock in the morning, I'd be mad, too. Hey, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's the first time <laughs> having near the F word will be if they sleep over my house. Yeah, dude. I, uh, I, I had a friend's house that we would sleep at and that was like the do whatever you want house. We loved it. <laughs> like my brother and I would, would go over and he he had every console, every video game. That's where I got introduced to like. Every fighting game, Grand Theft Auto. What so it? that's what corrupted you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, we, and it was awesome. And then it was always like no rules. Like if we were sleeping over, it was like stay up as late as you want, play video games. And I'll never forget the one time that it was probably like four in the morning. He, but at that whatever we'd done this a million times, but whatever it yeah. was that weekend at four in the morning, his dad was like, "Are you guys still fucking awake?" It's like <laughs> woke him up. He was probably had to get up at like five thirty, and nothing's yeah. worse as an adult when you have to wake up at five thirty and you're woken up at four. You're just like, "Fuck this shit!" Yeah, like it makes you so mad. You don't go back to sleep right. <laughs> you wake up feeling like shit. And but man, I will never forget getting because it, that was the place to go, and it was so chill. But get, that yeah. one time getting yelled at, it was like, 
complete that's seared in my brain forever yeah dude it's crazy <laughs> it's uh it's wild so when you started to kind of let go of everything so you were still involved but had kind of like you had stopped like pretending to feel bad about sleeping with your girlfriend and, and doing and partying and all that kind of stuff. Like, where does it go from there? I mean, did you have a big like moment of, Oh, this is, I'm done with it. What, what was it that made you like step away from the whole thing? Yeah. So it was, I mean, it, it was that mission trip to Mexico. It was that. And then, you know, it took, it took like a, a, uh, about a year or two after that to like fully detach. But it was, I remember I got back from that mission trip and it was very weird. A girl who like, I wasn't even dating. I I was, if I could be totally honest, I was probably obsessed with her cause she was showing me attention, you know? And I was a depressed kid not knowing, or I wasn't a kid. I was like 20 years old at this point. But, um, and uh, her dad I think I had posted something on Facebook about hiking and her dad was like, Hey, I live right by the Appalachian trail. If you want to come up and like hike it, I can drop you off and pick you up. So I was like, all right, tight. So I went and did a week on the, uh, I remember they lived in Warrington, Virginia and he picked me up somewhere around there. But I started like, I think like almost right where it hit Virginia or maybe like mid Virginia. I can't really remember. It was so long ago, but I did, I did like seven days on the Appalachian trail and I literally, I just, re, I just refer to it as my vision quest. Like I just, I didn't take a Bible. I didn't pray. I just like was in my head the whole time. I actually, I didn't really plan that well for it. And the iPod that I brought died like two hours into it. So it was literally <laughs> just complete silence, like me and my thoughts. And it wasn't like, I tried to time it to where I thought I would be with other through hikers. So I would be like, you know, not completely alone. I did not time that well. It was literally just me by myself walking through the woods of Virginia and like passing someone every now and then. Um, and it was great. I just had to, I had like a really big, long, hard seven day think about like, what do I think is right? You know, what do I like, you know, is this, this situation? Could I've handled that better? Like very like introspective, um, you know, and then I got back and I got back into reality. And I, like I said, I jumped back into that X 29 church, but that one didn't last that long. It was like nine months maybe. And then, but it was like all through that. I remember like the biggest thing, they like wanted to make me praise leader at one point. Um, and like we had like an interview for it and I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but like some of the things I didn't answer correctly. And they were like, we just don't think that you're like fully committed. And I remember, I really re wish I could remember what I said, but at the time, I'm like, yeah, I doubt I was fully committed. I was basically had, you know, one foot and not, and five toes out of the door or four toes out of the door on the other thing, you know? So like I was, I was barely still in Christianity at that point. And it was, it was that, bad experience with that associate pastor and that church as a whole that kind of just really, really pushed me, pushed me out. And that was the final like goodbye. You know, I was like, I'm done with church. I didn't say I was done with Christianity. And I think what's really, really pushed me out since then was just like seeing, you know, I mean, I'm going to say not to get political and then I'm going to get political, but just like watching, like <laughs> basically watching like fascism take over, Christianity over the last decade since then has just been like barf. Like I've no, no part of me wants to be involved in any of that. You know, like, like even when people stand up for the constitution. Is that what the deal is? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Um, but yeah, like, and then like in that same vein, the friends that I do have that are Christian have been like, have been and were 
very silent over those few years because I know like behind the scenes they're like, well, I mean, technically we're winning. Like, uh, and it just, I just was like, I don't want to be a part of that. Um, and I, I know like I have a lot of friends who still consider themselves Christian and it's weird. Cause like, it's really t- dependent on the day for me. Like I'll, I'll, I'll talk with my mom, my mom, you know, like I said, mentioned earlier, grew up very like angsty and angry towards God. And then like, I don't know what happened sometime when I was in college, she has become like, she's become just your stereotypical, like white Christian woman who shares no less than 750 Facebook memes on her page a day. And they're all of minions. They're all like minions, (laughs) but they're all like borderline racist too. I don't know. It's weird. I was, I love my mom because we are at least able to have like constructive talks around stuff like that. Um, but like, you know, she'll be like, well, you know, you just, I just worry about you because, you know, I don't know if you're going to be in heaven. And I'm like, I think I'm going to be because for me, it's just a concept of God in general. Do I have anything to back that up? Absolutely not. Like, but also, <laughs> neither do they. So you're in the same boat. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, I've got my own brain and you've got the writings of a guy who lived thousands of years ago. We could, who knows who's right. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, the really... It was being involved in that Acts 29 church. That was my final farewell to Christianity um, as like an organization, you know, like as as a concrete building. And then it was really just, you know, about a decade of deconstruction after that, just like actually thinking about like, do I believe this? Do my actions that I, how I live, do they even hold up to if I believe this? And a lot of the times it would be like, I do still believe in this, but then I would look at how I live and am I happy living that life? And the answer was yes. And I'm like, okay, well then I don't still believe this. Like, yeah. So what was, yeah. your, I mean, after all that, you said you had that kind of like slow exodus for 10 years. When did you start looking at like comedy and finding your way into the, the comedy world? Was that yeah, something you I, were into as a kid? Were you like a comedy guy as a kid? Or yeah, dude, I was the there? I was the I was the chubby kid growing up, so I had to I had to do comedy to to you know protect myself. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was I've always been the funny guy. I started like actually doing comedy. Uh, it was I was actually right around the time I got out of that set that last church. So it was like my which would have been like the beginning of like my quote unquote senior year. Um, so I did comedy in college for like six months or so moved to New York, did it up there for another year. Um, and then burnt out and quit. That would have been 2014. And then I like, I would pop back into open mics here and there, but I really didn't get back into it like hardcore until I remember I, I started back doing comedy 2018 that summer. And then my dad passed away that fall and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go into my hole. I'll see you guys a few months later. So when people ask like how long I've been doing comedy, I just say like four years because it's been everything chunked together. It's been about four, but yeah, I've been, I've been doing that now. Let me tell you, growing up in the church, got a lot of material. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, Which is, which is fun, but it's crazy because like I still, you know, even though I may not adhere to like, you know, like people listening to this, I don't know what you're, I got to hop in the discord, but but I don't know what your, yeah, dude, definitely. That'd be great. What's your main, uh, user uh or listenership is but like most people wouldn't call me christian i i barely call myself christian but like some of my favorite bands are still very christian um i mean my my like my all-time favorite band there i'm literally like basically doing like a grateful dead tour and following them around is me without you and they're on their big farewell tour right now yeah dude i'm 
Do you have a Mew that you poster behind you? I think. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I got one here. Yeah, I got one over here. There's another one laying on the chair over there. Like I am. I've been listening to those guys since I was 12 years old. Dude, (laughs) they're they're one of my favorites as well. And I'm bummed because the Boston show they're doing is I have a wedding that same day to be at. That's a bummer. And then I'm I'm going. uh, I hit Hartford, but I'm thinking about going down for the Philly, their final Philly show. Dude, I'm going to be there. I'm going to. I'm going to both. So if you end up coming, let me know. Really, dude. I will. I uh, I need a place to stay too. Can I? (laughs) You you can sleep. You can literally sleep in my hotel floor if you want to, man. I literally, I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, I've had those tickets for forever. Like they play, they played two shows in North Carolina a couple weeks ago. And uh, I went to the first one, which was in a town called Asheville. And uh, it was, it was great, man. It was like a hundred person venue. They didn't have any air conditioning. It literally got up to 104 in there. Everyone, everyone was taking off their shirts and, uh, I was on mushrooms. So I was just like, (laughs) I was texting my wife and I was just like, I am having, I was like, this is the end of a chapter of my life right now. Like I've been listening to these guys for 20 years of my life. And it's crazy. Cause like, and I I was talking to a guy in a forum. I like this band so much that I'm on a fucking forum about him and I'm not on a forum for anything else, but a lot of, a lot of their fans have all followed the same trajectory. They were Christians when they started listening to the band. Cause me without you was in that tooth and nail they played it. They played at Cornerstone. You know, they were like doing all those things, and uh, and then they've kind of become more spiritual. You know, they it, it's kind of crazy. Like I, it, now that you know who they are, you can just say my my <laughs> my beliefs in God are kind of just me without you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he pulls from uh, he just pulls from different things. Like I mean, there's yeah, different, different adaptations, religious like- text, uh, different. Um, one of them was like uh, one of the people whose writings he's pulled from a lot, even since honestly the early albums, but it flew under the radar because sometimes he would sing it in Arabic or something, but yep. he would pull from a, a Muslim I, theologian, philosopher, poet. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, what Suf- you, uh, he, there's a whole album there where it's like Sufi based poetry. It's yeah. um, that, that's the one that no one really liked. It's my, my, my favorite one, but uh, that's the one that kind of almost career suicided them. Actually, yeah. I think I mentioned that on the air in Lunsford episode. Uh, that yeah. was but it was I think like, you guys did yeah yeah that was like and that, the but the big downfall was because he said Allah a bunch of times in a row <laughs> yes yeah which is funny because it's like that's just Arabic for God I but, don't like it I don't yeah, like yeah, it exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah but if someone hears that they're gonna be like hold on now what are you talking about boy like yeah how many shows are you uh how many shows of theirs have you gone are you do you have tickets to on their final tour uh I, I, right now i've just i did the two in north carolina okay. i am i'm trying to see where i can afford to go elsewhere <laughs> it, it is a bummer because i was like i'm a huge norma jean fan or was a huge norma jean fan i just i'm a big josh goggins fan you know norma jean the chariot all those dudes i'm like yeah no one liked the chariot growing up because it was like it was too much even for hardcore kids they were like that just sounds like noise <laughs> but me yeah kind of yeah but <laughs> I was noise core, baby. I was this chaotic, ADD-riddled kid, and I was like, "Oh, this does it for me, baby." I was like, "Blast this into my ears," uh, and um, literally, I think they did Asheville, Chapel Hill, which is like right outside of Raleigh, and then I think they went to Atlanta the night, or no, they went to Columbia, South Carolina, uh, and you know, uh, Josh Goggins' current band, Sixty Eight, which I think it's actually a shirt that I'm wearing right now. Yeah. Um, is playing with them so everyone was like oh they're gonna play a memphis will be laid to waste cover i just know it which was you know the norma jean and with aaron oh, yeah. s- singing at the end 
They didn't play it. And then literally like the night they left North Carolina, the, the next night they played it and they've been playing it every night since. And I'm just like, son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> that's my, I've probably mentioned this. Maybe this is probably my third time mentioning it, but that is like one of my most profound musical memories was being at purple door in high school where, um, you know, cause Norma, that, Norma Jean. I don't know if that's still a festival going on, but Norma Jean, Me Without You, The Chariot were all there at the time. So they all did their, they all did Memphis Will Be played uh, way yeah. together. And I was like, oh, God, it's, that's, that's one of my most, easily my most profound musical memory from just uh, being at shows and having a dream come true. I'll bet Dude, Norma I- Jean still plays that song, even though nobody that's in Norma Jean has anything to do with that song anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no one, no one is in any of the same bands they no, were in. It's insane. Like the, the what a what a crazy carousel of people Screamo was in the early two thousands because it was just a bunch of Christian dudes with egos getting famous and then getting checked for getting famous and then being like, I have to step away in disgrace. Like you guys listen. <laughs> Do you guys listen to the uh, Tooth and Nail podcast at all? Labeled, I have before. Yeah, labeled. It's crazy for a for a podcast from a record label. It's got like the worst audio mixing ever. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I think they I think they interview like uh, Timmy McTague, like the guitarist from Under Oath, and it's. I don't know if you guys remember if you were listening to him. Like I was, I don't know how old you guys are. I was, I'm 32, so I was like 16 the year they headlined Warp Tour, and they had to, they famously had to drop out, you know. And it was like they interview Mikey from NoFX, <clears throat> and the whole thing is that he was like, you know, he came out and was like, oh yeah, those Under Oath kids, they're all doing drugs. He like literally was like, I was just making that shit up. Like I thought it was funny because they're all Christian. And then they inter- like they literally cut that interview right next to their interviewing Timmy, and it's like, yeah, we were all eighteen year old kids, and Christ was our brand. We like d- we had no idea what to do. And then like it came, you know, that's when it came out where Spencer, the front man, was like he had done cocaine a couple times, <laughs> you know. Oh, and then people yeah, yeah. just probably ruined his life over it. Yeah, because yeah, he I mean, became they, an addict, didn't he? He did. He did. He had a pretty yeah. rough drug problem. Yeah, I used to take drum lessons from his brother, oddly enough. Oh, who was in uh, Wolves at the Gate, right? Was that? Yeah, uh, to speak of Wolves. To yeah, speak of to wolves. speak of Wolves. So many yeah, fucking Phil. Wolves fans for a while, man. There was so many. Phil's a Phil's a great dude, man. He's actually, I think he's going to be because his his old band was a band called Sullivan, and I think they're in that I festival that. that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Oh, cool. Which is which is crazy because that was my band in high school. I love those dudes, and it's frustrating because the front man is a big old Trump guy now, which is cool. <laughs> Big bummer. Yeah. Well, Corey Brandon got a little annoyingly conservative a few yeah. times. I think he got canceled during the BLM protest because he posted something really rude. What a great way to put it. Uh, really rude. Uh, <laughs> it was like, it wasn't worth like, you know, executing him over, but like, yeah. I, you know, there's going to be a fair amount of people that are like, yeah, I don't, I don't need you around anymore. Yeah, I'm good, my guy. That's what's uh, yeah, tough it's about being like... in that spot. You're like, you didn't need to do that. Like, I know when you have a platform, you feel like you want to use it because people will hear you. But sometimes that just is just your narcissism bleeding into a new category. Yeah, and you should just maybe like... keep it in check. Like, if you say yeah, that, you said nothing, people dude. might not want to listen to your band anymore. Like, and you, even if you're not quote unquote canceled, like. 
if 50% of your fan base is finds that to be a problem and you say it, they're going to not really feel like buying tickets to your next show. And that's just the natural natural consequences of things. Oh dude. It sets off such an, a stupid (laughs) cycle too. Cause like, I remember, I remember looking at like, I, cause I found out about it a while afterwards and I went back and like looked at some of the comment thread and stuff. And like, some of the things that people say in response are so dumb. They're like, <laughs> like, I don't want to see you anywhere near my scene again. And you're just like, how what, you're like 30 something, man. Yeah, like, calm down, bud. <laughs> These gatekeepers yeah, who never grew up. <laughs> oh, dude, there's a lot like all the venues in Raleigh have since been torn down and turned into mixed use apartment buildings. But like, there's still there's like one dive bar left in raleigh where all the old brewery people hang out and it's just like they've entrenched themselves so hard into like that lifestyle where it's like remember when this used to be like accepting and cool and like we were down when people would come to shows and now it's like if you don't show up to this place with like ripped jeans like they won't let you in like it's so so we have to protect our culture and it's like dude our culture isn't anything it's like we're Dude, I love the mix of people that show up to like a, a metalcore show. Oh, it's great, dude. It's so good because you 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 have like a lot of the stereotypical metalcore kids. But then you have like the the metalcore nerds who show up and they're just wearing like a band t-shirt and relaxed fit jeans and yeah. Adidas sneakers. And then there's the out of place punk dude that's got like the battle vest on and the big boots yeah. and he like tries to get into the pit and do whatever, whatever that thing is. They do that weird, like shuffly dance thing. The yeah. Two stepping. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm down with the two step, whatever the punk guys do where they like kick their feet way out in front of them when they run around. Oh, was it, was it like skanking or something? Might've been skanking. <laughs> skanking. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? It's something not here. Nope. Yeah. Get not out of my love pit. It, like, not in my pit, dude. And then there's like the junior high kid with the wallet chain and the dis- the like oversized disturbed T-shirt. Yeah, and he's like kind of halfway's head banging and doesn't really understand what's happening around him. There's just like a, such a great mix of people. And then the guy, the the dude that's from Boston that f- tries to get in a fight the whole yeah. time, never like <laughs> yeah. super overtly. He'll just like pop somebody when they're not looking. He's just, like, just kind of like big chest and everybody like when someone walks by, he kind of leans into him a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a couple yeah. of dads there with like from four a- and five year olds on their shoulders with earplugs in. Dude, that's oh, that's, that's my favorite. Yeah. Like my like going to these shows, especially going to me without you shows for so long. I've like seen it's cool. It's like it's weird. I don't know any of these people because I'm my only friend that listens to them. All my other friends are like not our vibe, dude. Uh and so I go to these shows most of the time by myself and it's like, but the same, it's Raleigh's not big enough. So it's like the same people come to every single one. And like, I've seen these people all go through phases and like, and like now we're all in, you know, in our adult years and it's, it's awesome. It's actually really, it's like something weirdly beautiful about it. Like just growing up with complete strangers, but we seemingly know everything about each other just based on the one show we go to every year or two. But like this last one, it's funny because you know it's, it was their farewell show, so a lot of people came out and like my, I'm in a fantasy football group. I don't even watch football. I I I could not tell you one NFL player's name right now that is like an active player, but I'm in this fantasy football group with all my old scene buddies because it's just a way for us to like stay in touch. And like they were all 
they were all in bands growing up. That's like, I met most of those guys at screamo shows and it's like, they all, I think like a handful of them. And if they're listening, what's up guys, but a handful of them came to this last show and it was just so cool. Cause it's like, they're all dads now and they're all <laughs> like, we're just a bunch of like milk toast white dudes just like hanging out. Whereas like 15 years prior, we were, you know, in eyeliner and skin tight t-shirts, you know, <laughs> go, going nuts in the pit, you know, and now, now we're all wearing like baggy shirts. We got at target. <laughs> it's fun. It's like, uh, it's like, instead of getting out an old photo album, like you get to like go back and relive the identity that you tried to oversell to everyone around you. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's great. I love it so much. I'm going to like, I I'm a, I'm an extremely large and tall person. Uh, so like I, I'm very uh, self-conscious at concerts, but like me without use the one band that I like straight up care about. And I've already told myself, like I am going to be like first in line at one of those Philly shows. Like I'm going to be up front and I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize to everyone behind me. I'm going to be like, look, I've been listening to these guys for 20 years. Like this is the last time. If you want to get on my shoulders, you can, but I'm, I'm going to be going nuts up here. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So the metalcore audience guy that you are is the one with the overly sweaty back in front that I keep getting pushed into. 100% dude. I'm sweating right now and I'm sitting down. And Casey's I'm always not sweating. a tall guy. So he's definitely going like face first into your midriff. Nice. Just yeah, yeah. Like, this is going to be my, my nose into your tailbone. <laughs> I'm the guy, I'm the guy at concerts especially metal concerts that people like to either get in front of or behind. Cause they know that like, I'm like, I'm basically like a, one of those like parking ballasts for security. Like if something hits me, it's going to take a few more hits for them to get like messed up in the front of the back. So people can usually like hide behind me. Something tells you me like, you're not a successful crowd surfer. No, I've crowd surfed. I crowd surfed one time. Uh, and it was an amazing feeling. Just left a, a a line of compound fractures behind you. Yeah, yeah I just <laughs> like a steamroller through the crowd, dude. It was actually it's funny. It was actually at a chariot show. I used to, I was a photographer in high school, and I used to shoot Warp Tour back in the day. And oh, I really? was, that's cool. And I was in the I can't remember what happened. I was in like the press area because there's like a little barricade space uh, for a, a chariot show, and that had gotten like smashed, and I was kind of like trapped. And Josh Goggins like pulled me on stage and he was just like, yeah, dive like in the middle of a song. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to work, dude, but okay. <laughs> yeah, you're it was here. great. You're still here. So you I'm alive, survived. dude. Yeah. If you're going to God, set, surf, God said it wasn't show. my time. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, dude. So uh, I guess before we wrap up, I want to just you, you to talk, just go ahead and I want you to plug your podcast i know you got yeah. some like comedy dates coming up i think you have some in your area but you all i also saw that you're on um main comedy festival yeah i'll be all over dude it's uh yeah. to, the, to the detriment of my wife i'm gonna be gone for five weekends in a row um yeah so uh if you guys didn't catch my name my name's spencer bland uh you can follow me uh just on instagram at spencer spicy um uh over there uh i run a podcast called bopper flop pod it's me and my best friend my comedy partner uh, my brother in Christ, literally, I met him, met him at a Bible study. Uh, he walked into my apartment 
Uh, now we're both deconstructed. Um, but yeah, it's me and my buddy Jordan Huggins. We run this podcast called Bob or Flop where we uh, either us or we have a guest on. We pick a date from history and we go back and we look at the Billboard top 10 from that date. And then we talk about if the songs are still good or not. Uh, and you think like, oh, yeah, Billboard top 10 songs. They got to be good. No, they don't. They don't at all. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun, a, man. I started checking it out after we started interacting on Instagram. And it's it's a good yeah, time. Yeah, man, it's it's dumb. Uh, we, and you can follow us. Uh, we're all across all social medias uh, at Bop or Flop Pod. Uh, or if you just want to listen, you can listen to every episode that we have on our website, which is just Bop or Flop dot com. Uh, and then, yeah, we, we we dabbled in it. But I am I'm a comedian. Uh, I've been doing it for a few years. Uh I like to think I'm funny, but other people who have no stake in my personal gain say I'm funny, which is nice to hear. But uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going to be a lot of places. Uh, if you are if you happen to be in L.A., uh, the most recent date, I'm going to be in L.A. Uh, July 19th through the 25th. Um, on the 20th, I'll be at what's called the Saltel Show. At uh, Friday the 22nd, I'll be at a big show called Faded. I love that show. I'm so stoked to be on it. Uh, and then Monday the 25th, I'm going to be on a show called Frog World, uh, which is also pretty great and pretty fun. And then, uh, yeah, further into the future, um, yeah, let's see, uh, August 25th through 28th, I will be in Portland, Maine for the Portland, Maine Comedy Festival, performing in that. And then Have you September. Been to Dude, I love it. My uh, one of my best friends lives up there. Yeah, uh, if you it, haven't, you'll drink. If you if you drink and you like beer, you'll drink a lot of great beer. I I probably I quit drinking this year. I will okay. probably start or at least like I'll probably dive back in for that weekend just because I I love the food. I love everything about Portland, Maine. Um, it's honestly I should probably live there given the climate that I enjoy. But uh, it's great. I'm so it's like the one comedy festival I wanted to get into. So. Uh, I'm stoked for it. Um, but yeah, that'll be uh, August 25th through 28th. I'll be up there. Uh, and then the following weekend, September 1st through the 4th, I'll be in Omaha, Nebraska for the Omaha Comedy Festival. Uh, so that'll be pretty Ooh. tight. Yeah, I'm stoked for that one. That's never been far to from me. I've never been to Omaha. Uh, never even been to Nebraska. Uh, but I've heard they have some banging burgers. So I'm going to be Ooh. eating a lot of beef that weekend. <laughs> um, and then lastly... Uh, let's see, September 16th through actually September 16th and 17th. It's a Friday and Saturday. I will be in Bristol, Tennessee, uh, headlining, uh, the Blue Ridge comedy club, uh, two shows, both nights. We're gonna do a podcast for the early show and then comedy for the second show. Jordan and I will be there. So it should be a lot of fun. So if you're in LA, Portland, Maine, Omaha, Nebraska, or Bristol, Tennessee, come see me. Uh, if you happen to be in Raleigh, North Carolina, I, I do shows all over here all the time. So come out and say hey but uh this has been awesome i uh it's funny i man i for as much trauma as it's caused me and and pain and suffering for the year nothing i love nothing more than talking about religion dude it's that's it's it, so much fun it's so much camaraderie <laughs> i we that's why this never gets old we've been doing this god we're becoming it's been over a year and a half and it's like that rules you're still doing like having the conversations with people it, you keep it's like it's always different everyone's story is unique, even though it's still talking about the same kind of premise and yeah, every like just being able to talk about other people, it's always enjoyable and it doesn't really matter where people ended up as long as they have to have drifted a little bit. They have to drifted enough from where we came in order to make it entertaining. If they're still yeah. in that world, it's like, I don't, it's not the same kind of fun, but <laughs> yeah. And they just get angry at you the whole time. <laughs> 
but yeah, man, this was a blast. Thanks so much for hanging out with us for this. This is I'm stoked, man. I'm glad that I I'm glad that I had so you guys got connected to McBride somehow, and then I saw TikTok. him post about I it. I found him on TikTok, dude. That's how whoa, I that's crazy, man. I love yeah. I dude. I gotta say, some of my some of my best friends are internet friends right now. That I, people I've just found like one of my one of my like greatest buddies lives in Newcastle, uh, England, and I just literally found him on Twitter like eight years ago. So, oh really? Yeah, dude, it's yeah. fun. We've connected with such cool people doing this, and I mean, still in touch. I, even like, uh, yeah. We, Every once in a while, I like get a text or an email from someone that we've talked to and go back and forth. And it's like, it's just really cool to make those connections with different yeah, people with cool stories across the country. Well, we're, we're friends for life now. So friends that's now, tight. Dude. Yeah, dude. If I can't, I want to like actually see if I can make the, make it out for the Portland thing. Cause I'm Massachusetts. Yeah. It's not, not too far. It's not too far. I'll In be, Por- I'll be dri- I always want to go to Portland. So like that would be a good time to make that happen again. Dude, I'll be, I'll be driving up. So I'll, I, I might actually have my dog with me. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun time. I'm a big, I'm a big road trip guy. Uh, so I'm going to do the, the 18 hour drive from Raleigh. You got to be in your business. <laughs> yeah. Road yeah. Trip I love it, man. Life. We went up to, uh, we, I drove to like, I think it was like last, it was two years ago. It was 2021, but I drove up to Lubeck, Maine, which is like, right before you get to canada yeah that's up there yeah and my, my buddy and i in our hubris thought we could go to canada and then realize like oh no this country has laws we, and we don't so <laughs> passport and- <laughs> yeah yeah but no, this is, thanks so much for having me on man i'm gonna tell all my friends about it i've got i got so many dudes you can talk to if you if you need more guests or anything so all right absolutely man. anybody with a good story we love comedians too so yeah and i feel like we like i mean i've got damn i've got way more stories if you ever want to have me back on (laughs) happy to jump back on hell yeah man definitely awesome well all right everybody thank you for listening and we will see you next time